So it's a handle, and, and, and it moves in a circular kind of pattern, right? One end of the handle sort of stuck into the, the, the side of the tiles or whatever, or the little circular metal thing. You know what I'm talking about in the shower, right? You know when you go someplace, like a hotel, or if you're in someone else's house, and how does their shower work? Somehow you always figure it out. But it's kind of like sometimes there's little – usually it's just like uh, – sometimes there's a knob, but – like it's just in terms of like how how much pressure there is. No, it's usually and then it's confusing because right you turn it on and then at some point the further you you turn it it gets hotter and hotter. But then it's weird because sometimes it takes a little while to heat up. So you could be like, what the hell? This is cold, and you go up. Let me jam it up all the way, and then it's too hot. You know what I'm talking about, right? And usually it's a combination bathtub and shower. So there has to be some sort of mechanism to determine where the water is coming out. The tub tap, right, which is if you're going to actually take a bath. But why can't you – the shower could just – wait a minute. There's a tub tap, but you could also just theoretically turn the shower on and fill up the tub that way. So why didn't – wait. <laughs> why don't they, why didn't they, I guess it would take longer to do it that way. Is that the idea? And then also there'd be you know you, there'd just be this water spring everywhere as opposed to the tap it's just one little area the water's going down it's going into the tub as opposed to the shower which is shooting around everywhere right anyway there's various contraptions to uh, control this right now this is this is this is sort of separate from I know there's all these shower heads that have all these these uh, fancy gimmicks you know like oh it's like it's like standing out in the rain it's this giant shower head. Or some shower heads have these little dials on them. You turn them around. It, 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 it becomes, like, very focused or it becomes very, very, very soft. It's all very complicated. I remember there was one point where, uh, I don't know, there was back in the 90s, there was some, there was this whole water scare. And they would, like, install, there were all these new plumbing rules. And something happened with the toilets. Remember that the toilets would be, had to use less water. So everyone was concerned, like if they had the old style toilet, you flushed it. It got it got rid of everything. And then they were thinking the new toilets, you, know, you might have to flush multiple times just to get everything down. So you're going to wind up wasting water in the long run. I remember that was like a big deal. I remember people were talking about that. And that, that may have been the eight, the nineties, the toilet issue in the nineties. But uh, then as time went on, I've got, you know, when you get new toilets, like, they're fine. They figured it out. It uses less water, but it flushes just fine. Somehow the toilet scientists figured out how to do it properly, okay? Yes. But then also there were all these regulations about... Something about they had to uh, install a shower head with, like, a little limiter in it so that you didn't use so much water in the shower. So it felt very weak. This was... Yeah, this was the early 90s when I was living in Island, New Jersey. I remember... Like, the shower sucked. It was, and again, this memory is very, very vague. But the shower was so weak. And I think there was this, that, that, that famous maintenance man, well, famous to me at least, Bristol Bill. He was kind of like this, this annoying, this kind of like sad sack, like idiot kind of guy. <laughs> I don't know if he was an idiot, but I just remember once I, I locked myself out of my, um, out of my apartment and... He was there, but he was having, like, a, a barbecue with his family. He's like, listen, it's not, I'm not on duty. I can't help you. Really? You can't help me? And, th- and then I also had issues. 
Okay, so it's all coming back to me now. There's several issues. See how these – am I really remembering this or am I just sort of reconstructing what might be a, a likely scenario based on what few memories I have left of the early 1990s, perhaps even the early to mid-1990s? Maybe it was 1993. A year I, I keep seeming to revisit recently is 1993. Music, TV shows, and magazines. I've very, been, been very focused on 1993 lately for some reason. Well, it's interesting because in 93, I would have been around uh, 25. And I turned 20, I would have turned 26 in October of 1993, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they say that you actually, your brain keeps developing up until around the age 25. So that may be why 1993 sticks out in my mind in in, in such a large way. Because that's when my mind finally was finished growing <laughs> or something. Don't you hear that you hear the people say that like you know the mind keeps developing and I think that may be why people have this incredible burst of creativity from the late teens up until about 25 and they're able to access some sort of realm they they have connection with the muse so to speak realm of creativity uh, which is which is a double-edged sword because when you're that young, you don't really have much to say. You haven't experienced much of life, but you have this incredible creative capacity. And then around 25, your mind kind of shifts. It's almost like complete. And you don't have as much creativity after that. Or you, it's not, you, you, you can't deeply tap into that kind of creativity. You see what I'm saying? Anyway, so Bristol Bill. <laughs> so I, I, that, that, that was one thing about Bristol Bill. He was just, you know... He, he didn't help me in that one instance. But you could imagine he was really annoyed. Finally, he had some time to have a, a barbecue with his family, and some one of the residents had to come and bother him. He's like, well, just call the company. I'm like, I don't there were, no one had, I didn't have cell phones back then. I think I had to go across the street to a deli or something and use a payphone to call the emergency number for whoever was on duty, you know. So anyway, that, that was one thing. And then there was a thing where the shower there in, in the Bristol apartments and, and where Bristol Bill worked. I don't know what his real name His name was Bill, but I don't know what his last name was. But he worked at Bristol, so he was known as Bristol Bill. Um, yeah, this would have been, yeah, 93-ish. Yeah, um, anyway. Um, so there was a thing at the shower, right? You turn it on, and it would be fine, and then it would just turn searing hot, right? And it, and I don't, And I know this whole theory, oh, in some people's houses, if you flush the toilet, the the shower gets super searing hot, which seems very dangerous. But it, in my house, thankfully, the toilet's not on the same line or whatever, so it doesn't that doesn't happen. But other places I've lived, when you flush the toilet, it does make the shower super hot. But in this case, there was some sort of flaw inside whatever was inside there, the valves or whatever, that it would just instantly turn super hot. And this guy could never fix it. He's like, oh, yeah, I think you need a a governor valve. The guy was just an idiot, you know? So, like... I remember going to the management company and writing them letters, and they did, weren't responding. I'm like, I can't use my shower. It was this whole thing, and and I think eventually they got someone in to fix it. They're like, Oh, Mr. Nora, you know, a governor valve is so expensive. You know, we we, we really can't support that, or something like that. Governor valve? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> no, it's just there's a hot water and a cold water, and you need a you need just as I found out recently with my own situation of a dripping tub tap. Anyway, there was a situation where, and I forget if it was Bristol Bill or it was, it was someplace else I was living where um, 
Yeah, I think. Yeah, the shower was so weak. You turned it on; it was you barely felt it. And I enjoy a shower where it's like sort of blasting on you. And uh, so, I think it was maybe someone I knew helped me out. There was a, a new shower head that was being installed. But there, and there was this little, like, looked like a little coin that they would put in there to limit it. And the guy's like, oh, we can just take this out. Don't tell anyone. I forget when that was, though. But there was way, there were ways to get around it. But now I think it's fine. I don't think, right, all the shower heads you get now, are they work. I remember getting a new one the last place I lived, and it was fine. So all these weird restrictions. I don't know. It would take them a few years to figure out how to deal with the water regulations. I don't know. But anyway, I just moved into this place, this house. Three years ago, and, uh, you know, a flipper had bought the house and put in a new bathroom upstairs. And, uh, you know, it's a typical tub with a shower. And it's just sort of the handle that goes in circular motion, you know. I know everyone knows what I'm talking about, but it's hard. Like, it's a handle, but it's sort of set into the wall in the middle, and it just goes around like a clock, like a clock hand, right? What would you call that? Is there a name for that kind of setup, the clock hand setup? It just goes around. I don't know exactly like words to use to describe that. A rotational handle? I don't that's not a word, you know, it's not a phrase. Anyway. So <clears throat> as a been a long time, but I remember like sometimes sitting on the toilet and the the uh, the tub tap is like dripping. I'm like, oh man, it's dripping. I don't know. Did did I not close the handle or did I not get the handle all the way down or what's going on or but what I found was I would never ever think about it other than when I was like sitting on the toilet hearing the drip 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 and then I I wouldn't think about it like I never thought about it other than hearing it it's so weird it was like I would never it like right now I'm talking about it and I'm not on the toilet Uh, but for like a year like I I would I would hear it I'm like maybe I should do something about that and uh and then I w- when I as soon as I left the bathroom, I, it was out of out of my mind. I, I completely didn't think about it. It's weird, right? I mean, I know what's the downside. It's a dripping sound, but you can't hear it from any other room upstairs. You can't hear the dripping. Could drive you crazy if you could hear it, but I, you can't hear it. And uh, I guess I guess it's just like you're, you're paying a little bit more of a water bill with this drip, right? It probably adds up over time, and you're wasting water, yada yada, you know. So anyway, I finally remembered to look it up and I did start doing research on this situation and I it I never knew this this there's something about this whole this whole thing that doesn't make any sense okay so they're like okay you have I finally looked it up how do you re- fix the dripping tub tap you have to replace the cartridge so this is I did not know there were cartridges involved what is this a freaking Atari what is this as cartridges like wouldn't you think they could build the thing, you know, which I don't know how long it's supposed to last, like a 10, 20 years. Yeah, you're dreaming. These days with all the planned obsolescence. But anyway, let's say without planned obsolescence, let's say you want to get a mechanism which, you know, there's two pipes going in, a hot water and a cold water. So this has to turn it on and then kind of uh, you can choose how hot or cold you want the water, which obviously there's some sort of mechanical mechanism there at you know as you turn it more of the hot's getting through than the cold right i would think that you could build out with modern technology out of metal right you could build 
a mechanism that could last like 20, 30 years, I, I have to think that it is possible to, to, to um, create that. Now, listen, I'm not a, uh, you know, a, a plumbing engineer. What do you call the people that invent plumbing? Like, not a plumber. Like, who would, who would – a plumber works with plumbing, but how about the people that invent uh, faucets and, and, and taps and, and things like that? There may be a reason, but I would think that you should be able to build some sort of rock-solid mechanism. And I understand there's rubber involved and you have to put, like, that grease on it, uh, pipe dope, they call it sometimes. But maybe the grease runs out. But anyway, there's gotta be, there has to be something that would last a long time. But no, apparently, I looked it up, all of these tub um, controllers, you know, to control the water... They have cartridges inside that are made of plastic, plastic cartridges that fail after just a a few years, right? Now, again, it and then I all right. So so the one I looked at the one I had, it was called Moni- Monitor. What the hell is Monitor? Why? What is this? Some sort of like cheapo like knockoff brand? But then I saw underneath it says Delta Delta, which is an established brand. So why is it? Why can't it just be Delta? Why is it the Delta Monitor? Is that their like low end series? The Delta Monitor series is like the cheapo crap. And listen, the guy's a flipper; he's not gonna have to deal with it. What am I gonna do when I buy the house? I'm gonna look up the 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 the, the, the spigot thing and oh oh you you use the cheap one? I, I had no idea. Anyway, um, so this exact one, I I watched videos of them replacing it, and it's and yes, you could do it yourself. You have to turn off the water. I think I know in the basement how to turn off the water for the house. I should know. I'm the homo. I'm the homeowner, um, and then you have to use some sort of hex bit to take off the handle, and then you have to pull pull it apart and take out the one. And then I saw this cartridge. Right? It costs like ninety dollars for the cartridge. What the hell? Ninety dollars? How much could the whole thing have cost? So you have to buy a new cartridge for $90. So this is this the way they're making more money? They build them like shit. They they break after three years. And then you got to buy a new one for $90? What a racket. I mean, this just sounds like a lawsuit in the making, honestly. Um, and then on the website, I think it was Delta's website for buying it, all the reviews say, like, this is the worst. I used to have Delta. It used to last for 10, 20 years. And now it... it Either it immediately starts dripping. I put a new one in and it started dripping. I, this is what I was reading online. Um, you know, so this little plastic piece of crap is inside the metal housing. And that is your cartridge. What the? And listen, I'm sure there's a lot of people who know about this. This is my first exposure to this bullshit. Okay. So I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking like I could replace the cartridge. But then people are saying it's just going to drip anyway or put a whole new one in. But then I have to call a contractor or something. I got to knock down the whole wall. I don't – listen, this is ridiculous. But I just have to say I would love to know the answer. Is it necessary or is it just a way for them to make tons of money by selling these $90 cartridges every couple of years to people because they can't stand the, 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 dripping, the dripping tap? And I don't know. I'd have to figure out how much water – how much more am I paying my, on my water bill because of the drip? And would it make sense for me to pay $90, blah, 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 you know, or just tolerate the drip? So annoying. Listen, this is, this is the kind of stuff you deal with when you have a house. I guess if you're renting, you could just call the, the landlord. Okay, can you fix this crap, please? You know, 
and then they got to pay. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know what I'm going to do about this dripping tub tap, but I, I usually don't think about it other than when I'm sitting there, so. But could you figure it out? Like each drip is how much how, how much uh, gallons of water, and you multiply it by I don't know how much how much does water cost, and I don't know. I'll probably keep procrastinating for a while at least, unless it gets really bad, and then I may have to do something about it. Oh, <coughs> I guess a little bit later now. I did a little research on the fixture issue, and they say that a quality cartridge should last. Um, for 20 to 30 years, so I'm assuming this particular one was the, the, the cheapest or the a really crappy version. I'm assuming the flipper chose it because it was cheap. That's why it starts dripping very quickly. Anyway, I'm looking at my Christmas tree here and uh, some ornaments from my childhood. One of them really jumped out at me. It is uh, an ornament that I think I made uh, in the 70s because I really... Um, I'm looking at it, and it really, I can almost remember making this. So there was a store called The Pink Sleigh. It was a Christmas store in Oldwick, New Jersey, about 20 minutes from where I grew up, a little, little to the northwest of Bridgewater, New Jersey. And uh, they had all sorts of Christmas stuff there. It was a very cool store, long gone at this point. I know I've talked about The Pink Sleigh on the show before. But this this ornament, I don't remember seeing it last year. I don't know. Um, it was a so it's a pink sleigh. They sold everything Christmas related, and um, I think that's where we got our Anna Lee dolls. That was a big Christmas tradition for us. Anna Lee, these little dolls with painted faces, especially like little mice celebrating Christmas and stuff. And apparently, I know I did research on that as well in the show in the past. You probably look up the Anna Lee dolls. But anyway, this was a a kit they sold in like a plastic bag consisting of a styrofoam ball, a sphere, right? And a bunch of <coughs> beads and sequins and ribbon and a few other things as well. And what you did was you followed these instructions and each pin you would sort of coat with you know white glue and put in one bead and then a sequin and then you would... Um, stick it into the uh, the styrofoam ball and you could create this beautiful look this is blues blue and silver there's blue ribbons here I guess you glued on and then there's a top and a bottom but this one I think I worked on and I just remember it was really cool because you would just pin by pin you would just sort of thread on that little little tiny bead there's blue beads and clear beads um, and you see that the heads of the pins all all around this thing and there's a there's a sort of a ribbon on each of the four sides of it um, and a little pearl in the bottom but yeah this was so cool such, such a such a cool childhood memory of a little craft thing we did back then and you could still do it today I just don't know if they sell kits for this kind of thing but it's a beautiful way to make an ornament sequins and beads and pins and glue that white Elmer's glue that's one thing I never I have not done in a long time because I remember, like, there was this fun activity you, s you used to do with glue. That you would, uh, you, would, you would squeeze out the glue onto your hand and kind of uh, onto your palm. And then you would sort of rub your hands together so the front, you, basically your entire palm and your fingers were just covered with 
this white glue and then you just waited a few minutes and let it let it set and then you could like peel it off like peeling off skin remember did you ever do that i haven't done that in such a long time i wonder if the current kind of elmer's glue still has that quality to it we could sort of peel it off and i think the reason that we discovered it is because as we're using glue it gets on your hand then you can sort of peel it off and it kind of makes like you can kind of see your handprint on there did anyone ever do that very fun activity. Don't you think? I do. The new uh, Hearthstone expansion has come out. March of the Lich King. Alganis dispatched. The Lich King urged me to return home to Lordaeron to seek the remains of Kel'Thuzad. You getting all this? Necromancer I had slain in my battle against the Scourge. He would teach me to unlock my full power as a Death Knight. Yeah, this game, am <coughs> amazingly, I've been playing since 2014. So like eight years, I've been playing it pretty much every day. And I've been a bit less engaged in it lately. But, uh, you know, there's a new, the new uh, expansion. You know, expansions come out a, a couple times a year, maybe three or four times, three times a year. So it's time for celebration. So what is this? This is some sort of prologue adventure. It's not the regular. It's just like a card game. Um... But I have to open some packs too. I did. I did spend a lot on the pre-order. <coughs> I have been waiting for you, young prince. Malganis, you will pay for what you did to my people. Oh, now I have to. Now I have to play the game. Okay. I got lost in the jungle, sound the bells in pursuit of justice. <coughs> yeah, so it's like a just play a card game against the character. Reporting for duty. Job done. Yeah. I don't really feel like playing this right now, but of the fallen, a source of limitless power. The dark lord told me you would come. Yeah, I'm not really in a mood for this right now. I know you probably aren't either. My revenge, demon. Job done. It's a good game, though, Hearthstone. I mean, it, you know, I can't believe I, I've stuck with it for so long. You know, it's still good, but I really, yeah, I've been really much more into Magic: The Gathering lately. Uh, let's see. The light protects me. The light protects me. The battle! The battle! Blood. So, you've taken up Frostmourne at the cost of your soul. What? It's a sword. Just as the Dark Lord said you would. Save your breath, Malganis. I heed only Frostmore now. He has an evil sword. And whoever you kill with it, it steals their souls. And then then and then when it's when it's used up, you get to um, summon all of the creatures you killed with it. That's pretty cool, I guess. But I swear, I think I had this but there used to be a, there was another Lich King expansion years ago. It's the story of this young prince who turned who was turned evil. 
he was turned evil. He became the Lich King. Alright, can this game end? I'm tired of this already. Good. With Frostmourne, you will be the first of my death knights, Prince Arthas. Okay, terrific. Oh wait, let, let me uh I'll make sure you suffer. Back to your homes. Reporting for the battle, the battle, the playing card games. Every time it comes around, I'm like, I'm not going to pay for this anymore. I'm not going to pre-order this stuff. But I always wind up doing it. All right. I think I have, I think I have lethal now. Hopefully. No, he had, oh, he, he had gained health. Mm. All right. I think I have enough. Hopefully I have enough. I uh, just want to finish this. No, <laughs> two more health. I don't feel like playing this right now. No! Lifesteal, really? Oh, come on. Can we just finish this? I can't seem to finish it. Alright, come on. I think I got it. I think I got it. Suffer! What does the Dark Lord say? <coughs> He tells me the time for my vengeance has come. Great. What? He can't possibly mean to. All right, I won. Great. I'm a winner. Winning. Finished. It is finished. Jeez, that was uh, a hooray. With these games, though, they're like they—they're doing so much more monetization to try to encourage people to buy things. Like right now, there's like—it's not the card; it's a cosmetic that makes the card animated. They're selling them for like twenty-five bucks for one digital card that you don't even own. It's ridiculous, but you can resist, okay? It's getting ridiculous. It's starting to get ridiculous, okay, with these card games. <clears throat> anyway, let's see about these packs. <coughs> Let me open some packs here. What are these special packs? Paid a lot of money for these packs. They better be good. Ooh, I got Rotgill, the undead Murloc. Great. Oh, each of these has a rare in it. I had Anachronos, the Time Dragon. What am I doing with my life playing these these? Card games. People used to call this wizard poker. What are you playing wizard poker? Wait, there's no. Oh, these are all gold cards. They're not legendary cards. So it's not already confusing enough. <coughs> I just got lucky getting two legendaries in a row. <coughs> all you really care about is legendaries. You know. Epics a little bit, but all right. Let's see. Now I have 83 more packs to open. I'll pause until I get a legendary and see what legendaries I get. Because you, you can preview and see if you got any legendaries. No, there's none here. Will I get it? Oh, I got an infected peasant that dies and becomes a zombie because she's infected. 
Maybe I don't feel like playing this. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> Alright, I got another legendary here. What's it going to be? Blood Matriarch Liadrin. Great. See, it's funny that I that I got I'm more into magic now because, um, you know, there's basically Hearthstone itself, eight years ago, came out and it was basically a, very much based on Magic the Gathering, but very much attuned to being a computer game. Magic is way super much more complicated and um, it's hard to make into a good interface. But over the years, the Wizards of the Coast finally made Magic Arena, which was very much inspired by the... Ooh, I got a legendary! The Devourer of Souls. Um, inspired by the success of Hearthstone, they made Arena, which was <coughs> a very, very... Um, very great interface, right? It was a joy... It's a joy to play, and... Um, it's sort of a lot like Hearthstone. And over the years, I've gotten more into that because I really do. I think I enjoy the game of Magic more. I, I just play Historic Brawl because I can't really afford to play Constructed, even though I do spend hundreds of dollars on it a year. Listen, this, is, th this stuff is insane if you really think about it. They're, these, they're, they're digital cards that you're spending hundreds of dollars on, but you get more than hundreds of dollars worth of fun out of it, so it's, it's good, right? But you don't own these cards. When they decide to shut the game down, as they will eventually, you lose all your cards. They're not NFTs or anything. Anyway. <coughs> but yeah, the, like the kind of monetization they're doing is just crazy. But they really look for whales. People that have more money to spend than they know what to do with. And they, you know, they're essentially buying a JPEG or a GIF for like, you know, hundreds if not thousands of dollars. You know, and the more whales there are, I guess the more you can let other people play for free, I guess. It's all messed. It's pretty messed up. Ooh, a magic broom. The street, the street sweeper. Didn't they, didn't they already have a magic broom? Uh, there was already a magic broom. But I don't know if it was his own card. I think it was called Karakazam. You, 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 you would summon a magic broom and, uh, and a plate and a fork or something. I don't know. Listen, they have, there's room for multiple magic brooms in this game, I think. Don't you think? I do. I'll put in my card packs here. Ooh, I got a, an epic prismatic elemental. And more infected peasants. I'm going to have more, pe more, fe more infected peasants than I know what to do with, you know, eventually. And, of course, Marvel Snap is the newest card game that I've been playing a ton of. It's really good. And it's by this guy, this guy Ben Brode, used to be the director of Hearthstone, this game I'm playing right now. But he quit and formed his own company called Second Dinner and released this game based on the Marvel characters called Marvel Snap. It's very good. At least if you have a ton of card games to play on the computer, you'll never be bored. You know, you just, if you don't know what to do, just play one of the card games that you've spent hundreds of dollars on for some reason. I don't even know what, what legendary cards do I even want in this set. I don't know. I didn't really follow this set as much. That's the big thing, the preview season, where you, they, like every day they'll show a few of the new cards, and you, you keep checking if the new cards came out yet. Listen, I know people have other things in their lives to deal with. Somehow I'm, I'm into all these card games. Oh, and i got to talk about my card game, too. I've been working more on uh, 
the written instructions are out for my card game. Forget about these computer card games. My card game, Flea Devil Solitaire. We'll get to that in a moment. Come on, I got I got to get at least a couple more legendary cards. Come on. The idea is that if you get it, so oh, here's legendary. Potion Master Putricide. Nice. The idea is that if you get all these extra cards, you can disenchant them and use them to craft new cards. It sounds insane, really, stepping back and just talking about like mentioning this. I'm going to disenchant my cards and make new cards. What the hell am I talking about? Energy Shaper. And some cards are golden, and you can disenchant those for a lot more money. Or arcane dust, as it's known. But now they've added a new thing called runes, <coughs> which is like, instead of buying anything for money, you, you, buy, you buy runes, and then you use the runes to buy things. So people always have runes left over. They're just trying to get people to spend more and more money on this stuff. When is enough enough? These companies are getting greedy. They don't know how much longer these things are going to be popular, so they're, they're trying to milk them for every, every dollar they're worth. But that milking process can make people tired of the whole thing. So they did recently with Magic the Gathering, the, the paper side. I don't go for the paper side, but they've, they've been doing a lot of stuff to try to like milk the whales, and it's pissing off everyone. They could be ruining their whole company. Uh, Bank of America did an analysis on the company that Hasbro and said that they're like ruining their their long-term business by short trying to get short-term profits. Do you ever hear a phrase penny wise but pound foolish or something like that. Oh, a legendary. I got Astalor Bloodsworn, an elf. Hey, I I I might need that elf at some point, you know? I really might. Epic. Another pris. How many prismatic elementals am I going to have? Jeez, I don't know if I need all those. Ooh, while I was paused, I got another legendary Blightfang the Spider. Great. Only a few cards left. A few packs left. It's five cards in each pack. Am I going to get one more? I feel like I got quite a few legendaries, though. A golden comet, wow. More golden comets, great. Alright, only three left. Will I get a legendary? The last three. No. <coughs> More infected peasants, though. What are they infected by? Like, they're infected by evil or something. More of the intelligent us brooms, too. Great. <laughs> brooms and peasants. That's great. I got an epic plague spreader. And the final card, Crypt Keeper. Nope. Oh, well. No. After spending all that money... How many, uh, let's see how many legendaries I'm missing from this collection. Let's see, legendary. Damn, I'm missing 
Alexandros Mograin, Feller in the Forgotten, Soul Eater's Scythe, Elder Nadox, and Anubrakan. Another Anubrakan. I remember Anubrakan. Halderon, Brightwing, Hope of the Kelthalas. Oh, I didn't get the Mage Legendaries? Oh, my God. Vexalis and Grand Magister Ramoth. Oh, I got Anachronos, yeah. High Cultus Basif Leth Aleph. Sister Svalna I didn't get. Shadow Demise I didn't get. Well, this is ridiculous. Just this pre order was eighty bucks and I, I didn't get I didn't get Overlord Drakuru or or Darkon Drothir. Or Thor Thoribalor. <laughs> They're making these names harder to pronounce too. <coughs> or <b> <coughs> Or Bone Lord, Frost Whisper, or Invincible, the Undead Beast. <laughs> the hell's going on, man? This is ridiculous. Eighty bucks for what? And, and and so how much arcane dust do I have now? I probably don't even have enough This is ridiculous. I have enough arcane dust for like Like one more legendary This is ridiculous. I should I should stop playing this crap. What's going on? I should really stop playing this crap. Okay, another game by the same company is Overwatch 2. And I've played Overwatch on and off for a number of years now. And uh, they switched to a battle pass, which is just the most ridiculous thing. Right? You have to grind hard to get through the pass, but then you have to pay for the pass as well. So, like, I paid for the pass for the first season... And I didn't even get halfway through it because I don't play that much. So I'm not going to buy this pass anymore. Listen, games just be so simple. You want to talk about cartridges. You bought an Atari cartridge. You plugged it in. You could play it forever. Now there's battle passes, random packs, downloadable content. Oh, my God. It's just it's just not – forget the cost. It's just so much to just deal with and keep track of and try to understand. <clears throat> oh, they're back to having a queue on this. Oh, my God. A <laughs> hundred players ahead of me in the queue. But I just want to say, like, uh, I kind of just gave up on trying to get through that battle pass because you have to do these quests where you have to play competitive games. And I'm like, I'm not that good at it. The only the only character I'm playing is Lucio because at least you don't have to, like, do much. You just heal everyone just passively in a way. Um but then people yell at you in the chat that you're not healing them enough, and it's just like, I don't need this kind of aggravation. I don't need people yelling at me that I'm not playing well enough. I don't even like the game that much. But I found, in the past couple of days, I found a really fun way to play Overwatch 2, which is you make a custom game where you're the only real person in the game, and everyone else are just AIs. And you, you can make the AIs really dumb so you're the best player in the game. <laughs> and I just feel good, because... You know, part of the the joy of Overwatch is just the beautiful worlds they create, the beautiful maps. They have new ones in Brazil and Portugal, Monte Carlo, just top-notch, incredible maps. And you can use the custom game mode to explore them, as I talked about in a recent episode. But you could, I, didn't, I never really just set up games with AIs before. And it just feels like there's no real people behind those characters. There's no one w really watching you. And you're like the best player because you can make all the AIs really dumb. 
but then I realized it's kind of an empty pursuit. It's kind of pointless, right? But I really enjoyed it because I, you know, I, like I liked a lot of the maps, like where it's nighttime and like the bl- like the Blizzard World at night. And I'm like the best player, even though I I, I wound up losing anyway because I'm such a bad player to the AIs. But and if, and if you put them on the lowest level, they just stand around like idiots. You, you can just shoot them; they don't do anything. You need a little bit of a challenge. But the main thing is they just have these uh, s- these costumes for your characters. And they're charging like 20, 30 bucks, like real world, mo- world money for each of these costumes. And again, you don't own it. You just are able to use it in the game, right? And uh, so I'm not going to spend any more money on this game. I, I, I mean, I bought like the, whatever the watch point pack when this started off because I didn't really know what to expect when they switched from Overwatch 1 to Overwatch 2. But I mean, this is like for people that aren't into games, like you don't you don't even understand what's going on here, because there's all sorts of psychology going on with these games, right? You want to play, but you also want to have like if you there's certain costumes for your character, they call them skins. You just have to have this costume because it's so cool. But do you really need to have it? Imagine you're playing chess and you have to buy little costumes for your rooks and your pawns and stuff, and they cost like thirty, forty dollars each. Like it would seem insane. It is insane. <laughs> but I, I I like the playing I like the playing the just with like stupid AIs. Fifty players are ahead of me now. Everyone's trying to get in on the game. Sorry I'm coughing so much. I don't know what it is. It's just like a weird I don't know what it is. It's, I'm not sick or anything. I don't know why I'm coughing so much. I think it's because I'm slouching. I need I need to sit up properly, then I won't I won't be coughing so much. Oh, let's look. Let's look into humidor. Well, we're waiting to get into Overwatch too. We can see uh, any good uh, cigars we can have later. Let's see. Yeah, I just finished up one of those CAO anniversaries. We have Punch, Punch Signature. That's kind of cool. But how about this one, Gurkha Widowmaker? That looks like a good one. What else do I have in here? Gray Cliff. Oh, this looks good. I think the gray. I think we're gonna go for the Gray Cliff. Gray Cliff tenth anniversary cigars, video games and cigars. Two great things that go great together. But I can't really smoke and play because I don't smoke indoors. Remember, I, I I used to smoke pipes inside the house. That was a wild time. I would smoke a pipe every night. Tobacco pipes. I was talking to uh, one of the relatives at the uh, Thanksgiving. He said he smokes a pipe. But he's not really into it, you know, like. Well, I don't know if I was really into it, but, you know, you, ha- you have to find really good pipe tobacco. And I used to find it at these stores, as I, as I mentioned, and all these stores have gone out of business. So as whereas cigars, you just buy cigars from somewhere. But the pipe tobacco, you know, it's kind of harder to find good pipe tobacco that you like. And there were times when I just I would go to a store and buy this blend that I just loved. It's a lot of work. Smoking a pipe is a lot of work, but um, what a great hobby. I know it's not very healthy, but pipes are, I think, even better than cigars if you have the time and energy for it, which I don't. You need to have a lot of patience. You to clean the pipes. You have to have like seven different pipes, one for each day of the week. The pipes themselves can be very expensive. You want to get briar wood, but you can use meerschaum, which is a white stone, or you can use um, even corncob pipes, you know. I think with any kind of smoking, well, I mean, I know, obviously, I, I wouldn't recommend cigarettes, but, like, with cigars and pipes, 
it's best to just try everything. Just try everything tr- the, from the best to the worst. Just try it all. But I know it's unhealthy, and I know it's probably better not to. Uh, what do you want? Three players ahead of me. Who are these people? I want to. I want to play Overwatch. I want to play an empty game all by myself with fake AI characters. Gee, that reminds me of the real world. That's what I, I suspect the real world is also fake, and it's all they're all AI characters. But there's no proof of that. There's proof of it in Overwatch too. Here we go. The new tank hero, Ramatra, which I you you can't play unless you pay. You, you have to grind out to level forty-five to get this guy. Let's see what they got here. So the battle pass. Some of the um, some of the stuff is free, and some of it's only premium. So what do we got here? We have uh, Ramatra. I'm not really that into Ramatra. He's like he's like a robot mystic kind of dude. He's like a robot warrior. And then there's just skins. This is like cosmetics. The Cobra Queen for uh, what's her name? Symmetra. What is this one? A Poseidon. This is like like the Greek gods is the theme. Pose- uh, Poseidon, Ramatra. We have a botanist, um, Anna. Listen, I don't need this crap. I'm not paying any more money. I'm not paying any more money for this crap, okay? I'm done. I'm done. Street street urchin, uh, what's her name? Yeah. I know her name. She's, uh, what's her name? Anyway. All right. No more money on this. I'm going to save money on this stuff. Yeah, right. No, I will not buy any more stuff. Let's see. Yeah. Ramatra. You can get the Wandering Monk Ramatra for only like 20 bucks. That's 31% off the usual 30 buck price for a character model. <coughs> Again, they're just looking for whales. You know, it's ridiculous. What else do we have here? Anything good? Listen, I'm tired of this crap. That's the thing. As, as they try to push this more and more, people get pissed off and they're just going to stop playing the game entirely. Well, we'll see. Everyone says that, but then they keep playing. All right, I'm going to play an empty game here. Let's see. (coughs) Oh, look, here's Route 66 at night. Let me just add AIs. We'll make them practice level so I can kick their ass. (laughs) Oh, my God, this is so great. There There are no people who yell at me for playing poorly. They're all robots. And they're at this low level. It's cool. You're like out in, out in like the desert. I think you, this may be in New Mexico. I'm not sure. Imagine if they had a truth or consequences map. That'd be great. Who should I be? I think I'll be the, the Canadian woman's sojourn. She has a cool machine gun. Who else is playing here? The robot monk. Anna, <coughs> all sorts of great characters. Here we go. Get ready to play. We're in this together. Yeah. Well, there's really no one else here but me, but we're in this together. Yeah. Careful research. 
he's effective research. Yes, that guy's cool. He's like an he's like a, an insane scientist guy. See, all the characters are talking, even though they're not real characters. Well, they are real characters. They're just not real people behind them. It's a really sure cool map, ready. though. Who knows what we'll find out there? I'm ready. And 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 the, the enemies are in the Panorama Diner. It's a cool diner. Let's see. I should be able to kill them easily because they're not they're not very good. What? They're get, they're too tough. I I didn't make them stupid enough. But my team is stupid too, so I'm the only one with any smarts here. Yeah, man. This is nihilistic fun. And I could just go go do some sightseeing. I don't even need to fight. There's like a gas station over here. Let's, those idiots can keep fighting. I'm I'm going to the gas station. They have like old old refrigerators here. You can punch refrigerators. See? She has a robot arm sojourn, so punching a refrigerator with a robot arm. Why? There's no reason. Because we can. Punch refrigerator. Alright, let me see. <clears throat> is, my is my team taking care of them? Look, I got the Orb of Harmony. What can I shoot? I can shoot like this weird black hole thing, I think. can't lose. It's like when I was in the Special Olympics, I couldn't lose. Due to a clerical error, error, by the way. I was a gold medalist in the Special Olympics. I've told that story many times. Playing against kids with Down syndrome. I couldn't lose. I was like a super athlete. That's how I feel now. This is like the Special Olympics all over again. Probably around the same time in the 70s when I made that that ornament with the sequins and the pins and the beads. I was in the Special Olympics. I'm just standing there. Why is it so hard to kill them though? Here's my ult my ultimate power. What what is it? Oh, it's like is that you shoot like a black hole or something? I just got killed. See, I'm so bad at this game. The the AIs that have no skill killed me. Unbelievable. Oh, cool. I'm in a propane shop. You can shoot the cans of propane. I think they explode when you shoot them. No! Go out and fight! Don't hang up. Please. Ooh, cardboard boxes. You can punch cardboard boxes. You can shoot clocks. I'm not finished. What? We're losing. <laughs> oh my god. But it's cool. It's like dusk in the desert. 
It's a pointless game. What do you want? Cassidy's, uh... It's Cassidy's high noon special move. They had to change his name because they had this controversy where some of their employees were, like, very sexist. And the cowboy was named after one of those employees, so they had to change his name. There's that insane guy. Come on, can I win? I, I need to win. That's the whole point of this mode is to win. Why am I losing? This is ridiculous. And, uh, and Soldier is apparently one of the more popular, the powerful characters in the game. I know they nerfed her, though, so she's not as powerful as she used to be. Alright, I think we're gonna win. I like how pointless this all is, I really do. Die already, please. Oh my god. No, don't. I got killed again. I can't believe it. This is pathetic. It's pathetic. I need a new character. <clears throat> I'll just I'll just be junk. I'll be Junkrat, the character I used to main more than anything. He's an insane Australian guy. He throws he has like a, a little rocket launcher thing. Grenade launcher. Come on. I got a good skin 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 for Junkrat, which is called King Jameson. Come on, this is ridiculous! I can't I got blown up again. This is sad. So sad. Ooh, I've been I've been revived. I was revived and then killed again. Wow. You know we're in a warehouse now. Ooh, there's oh I thought it said restrooms. You know there's no bathrooms in these games. Where do the characters go to the bathroom? It's just like the Brady Bunch or Star Trek. They never show the bathrooms. You know. Maybe there's a bathroom in this game. I think there is at least one bathroom in the game. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't even fight the, the, the idiot AIs. I suck at this game. Kaboom! You can make him say kaboom. Oh, we have the rip tire. We can send our remote control explosive tire out to blow them all up. Here we go. Let's find a safe space and do it. Fire in the hole, baby. Right, where are they? Where are the enemies? 
Before my tire runs out, where are the enemies? Oh, it was too far. Oh, I messed up. I wasted my, my I wasted my tire. I can't believe we're gonna lose. See, I need to make my team more smarter than the, the and then the other team more dumber so I can win. I just want to win. I don't care. I, I know it's meaningless. I just want to win. So it should be a casual game. It shouldn't be so stressful. You should, should romp around the desert, punch some people, shoot some people. I know it's very violent. I don't, I don't like violence. I don't even know why I'm playing this game. It's too violent. All right, are we finally getting ahead of this crap? Ooh, look, a dartboard. Can I play darts? Jukebox. Oh, can do it. Let's just win. I want to win. I can't take it. Come on. Fight. My teammates are idiots. But I made them that way. If we can just stop them here, then we're done. Die. Yes, 10 more seconds. Let's do it. Come on. Let's do it. Come on. 10 seconds. One second left. Overtime. Okay, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Let me do my tire again. My rip tire. I didn't kill anyone with it. Oh my god. This is horrible. Overtime. We just gotta. We gotta stop them right here. Come on! By the entrance to the warehouse. Come on! Or maybe it's a compound. Victory! Yes, I won! Yay! What an empty victory, but I win. And there he is drinking his his drink. All of my victory poses have beverages. Oh, and I had play of the game. Nice. I was the best player in the game. Look at me, shooting everyone, jumping around. Aren't I great? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> it's very sad. This is this this whole uh, this this whole situation is very sad, don't you think? Very sad indeed. Yes. All right, let's get out of here. Close. All right, let me just, oh my god. Anyway, yes. That was that was a uh, fun in a very empty pointless way that's my new way of playing overwatch now with with ai's anyway now that we're done with that i want to let you know that um the uh the rules to flea devil solitaire my solitaire game that you play with a deck of cards and you hold it in your hands the whole time and i've been playing it constantly and i just love it i've even sort of found that different decks have like almost like different personalities. Like this one deck I have, this high Victorian deck I got at Barnes and Noble. No matter how much I shuffle it, no matter how many times I play, it like hardly ever gives me a win. I just always lose with it. Other decks, like I found in the garage, this old uh, deck from the the casino, the Trump Marina, the long lost Trump Marina. It's called something else now. That deck is pretty good. It gives me a lot of wins. And I know you might think it's because I'm not shuffling it right, but I shuffle this stuff a ton. And you can do a wash. 
you know, just smush them around on the table to really reset everything. Um, but yes, you can get the you can get the, the rules. The printed rules have been released. If you want to try to try out the game, I know I described it on a recent episode, but just go to onsug.com and click on. Let's see if this still works. Click on uh, the picture of the book in the sidebar there, and then download the PDF. Uh, let's see, the digital edition updated monthly. Click on that, and you get the PDF. It is like three or four thousand pages long, but this has at the, um, at the end of the first section. It has. I'll tell you what page it's on. We can load it up here. Why am I loading it off the web? I just loaded off my local, but you can find the Flea Devil Solitaire rules. I know. I know. It seems like I, it's, I'm making it hard, but I, I, I'm not like. I have not. I haven't decided to like do some sort of big launch for Flea Devil yet, but I'm, I want to. Um, Hold on. This is 3,449 pages long. And additionally, I just want to let you know that I have been, you may notice if you look at this, this is like a major revision of the book. And um, I'm, I'm using a new font called Besley throughout the whole book. And um, the lists now of the shows, they eat, it's sort of set up by, by month. It's not just one long list anymore, so it's broken up. So new typography some new uh, philosophies of how it's all set up. But let me find it here. Yeah, it looks really good, in my opinion. And it's funny because this font Besley was, was updated at some point this year to add many different versions, including a, you know, a condensed version that I'm using in a lot of it. Um, so anyway, here we go. So go to page... <laughs> Sorry. Go to page uh, 358. And again, this is a work in progress, so it's not all spiffed up. It's not all pretty, but page 358 in this, again, this latest edition of the Onsug book. And there's Flea Devil Solitaire. You can read all about it. This is my first draft of the rules, and there's a scoring chart there. But you can definitely, um, you know, if you listen to the episode where I talked about how to play, now you can refer to the rules and uh, check it out. I'm really happy about the uh, the way the book is going because I'm I'm using a new program called Affinity Publisher. I got the new font, been reformatting things. I have everything done with styles, and it's a whole thing. It's it's going to be a long road to get to the next edition, but this is a big first step, and I'm so happy. This is the this is the very first time that coherent printed rules to the final version of of Flea Devil have been printed. So please check it out. All right. Let's check out what's going on with this cigar. It's a Greycliff 10-year vintage Maduro. New Greycliffs. I'm sorry. Let me, let me start from the beginning here on Cigars International, where I bought it from. A decade in the making. New Greycliffs. Those ripples created by those two words could flip a boat. Greycliff has long been known for producing top-shelf cigars of exceptional quality. Born in a small factory in the Bahamas, Greycliff has gone on to become one of the biggest and best in the biz. From their economically priced G2 series to the stellar 30-year vintage, they've got a full profile of grade A beef. And 10-year vintage Maduro is another filet in this collection of steaks. Is that with one L? I thought, hmm, maybe that's, yeah. Maybe a fillet of fish has two L's. I don't know. 
Listen, I'm vegan. What do you want? I don't, I don't go for this meat. Grade A beef? Get out of here. <coughs> oh, they address it in the next paragraph. So, uh, meat metaphors aside, let's break this blend down a bit. We're looking at it. We're looking at an oily Connecticut broadleaf Maduro wrapper over aged long fillers from Nicaragua and Honduras. It's a rich, medium-bodied blend that's incredibly consistent from cigar to cigar. Expect notes of rich cedar and cocoa with a creamy, earthy core. This new release is a gray cliff you don't want to miss out on, so act fast. Yes. It's on sale. I think that's why I got it, because it was on sale. Yes. Let's go out on the porch and have some, shall we? All right. Let's see how this is. It's like a side of beef, damn it. I just got it started. Won't know for a little while how good it is. Anyway, another news. I finished watching The Prisoner's 2009 remake. Uh, this was... Um, uh, a TV series that was supposed to bring back The Prisoner. And, of course, on a recent episode, I talked all about my uh, rewatch, or, in fact, my first watch of most of The Prisoner, the TV show from Britain from 1967 to 1968, starring Patrick McGowan. It turns out I had only seen a few episodes, so watching the entire series, I was stunned and amazed. I mean, honestly, The Prisoner stands in its own TV universe. It is such an important show. Such an amazing show, and that final episode really blew my mind, you know. But I sang the praises of it on that recent episode. You can go listen to that, and I get into great detail on what was so great about The Prisoner. So I found out that in 2009, AMC, what is that, American Movie Classics, decided to bring back The Prisoner. Now, I think just without knowing anything about it, the remake, really... The Prisoner is not a show that should be remade, right? There's no way to remake it, I don't think, that could do justice to the original. The original is so based, so much of it is pinned on Patrick McGowan's persona, his personality, his acting. And he wrote it, he conceived it, he directed some episodes. It's all about him. And there's so much about the original Prisoner that it's just so strange and quirky and odd and just works in ways maybe it, do, it shouldn't even work um, that it does seem like the kind of thing maybe you should just leave it alone but they decided to remake it and uh, <coughs> starring uh, Jim Caviezel as six no longer number six just six and Sir Ian or is it Lord Ian McKellen whatever Ian McKellen who uh, of course had that famous t-shirt I'm, uh, no, he, it wasn't his T-shirt. Someone made it. But he had a T-shirt that said, some people are gay. Get over it. But s someone photoshopped it to say, I'm Gandalf and Magneto. Get over it. <laughs> I love that T-shirt. Can, can you buy that T-shirt? I'm Gandalf and Magneto. Get over it. Um, and I do recall him being quite good in Lord of the Rings. And I think I saw him as Magneto, but... He's not good in this role. Pretty much no one is good in this in this series. This series is terrible. It it does not it's not worthy of the prisoner name. It is an unworthy TV series that though I read all of the reviews that said please don't even watch it, it's not worth watching. 
honestly, the 2009 Prisoner remake is not worth watching. It's horrible. So you have to understand a little bit about the, the setup of the original. The opening scene of every episode shows Patrick McGowan in this cool car driving to this place and quitting. And it really, you get so much information from that opening scene, right? He quits, and then he's trying to get away, and he gets gassed, and he wakes up in this strange village. And uh, they've brought him there because he knows too much, and they need to find out why he resigned. And th- it sets things up so well. He, he was clearly some sort of a secret agent. Patrick McGowan previously was in a show called Danger Man or Secret Agent Man or Secret Agent... Um, and this character was almost a continuation of that. So people knew him as that secret agent. And the idea during the Cold War, you know, the uh, the Western powers and the Soviets, and all their espionage, you weren't sure who made this village. Was it, was it the West? Was it Soviets? Or was it some weird Illuminati group, right? Like, we don't know, but it was a village made somewhere as a prison to bring people who knew too much to keep them from giving the information to anyone else and then trying to find out the information from them. And it was at the height of spy-fi, you know, this spy science fiction genre, of course, with the James Bond 007 at the the top of the heap there and so many others. And, of course, you know, we had uh, Austin Powers many years later, but now many years ago, as a spoof of that genre. But the genre itself was a spoof of itself. The spy-fi genre always was kind of silly, and kind of over the top and science fictiony, but the prisoner took a bit of a different take. So, uh, number six, who's Patrick McGowan, is now in the village, and there's a succession of number twos who are the leaders of the village, who are trying to use all these different methods to get the information out of them. Who are you, number two? What do you want? Information. You're not going to get it by hook or by crook. We will. I am not a number. I am a free man. <laughs> right. And it's just, again, Patrick McGowan as that character is so, he's defiant and he's, he's tough, but he's also, there's also a, a vulnerability in him when he's defeated. Um, it, it just, there's just so much going on there. So anyway, the reason I bring that up is because the show, whereas it, it does get very surreal at times, right, in terms of what is actually going on, and every episode is a little bit different. This new show is it's just completely incoherent. You have no, you really don't have any idea what's going on, even though they did kind of reveal what was going on at the end. Sort of. I, I mean, it was weird. So anyway, um, Jim Caviezel wakes up in a desert, and he, then he meets a guy who who's obviously the role that was meant for Patrick McGowan if he, if he was going to do it, dressed up in the the old-fashioned prisoner garb. And uh, he gets killed. So then Six wanders into the village, which is the one thing I'll say for this show is that the, the new village that they conceived was quite well designed, right? Um, it's sort of out in the desert, this village, but there's, there's families there. There's, there's children and, you know, all sorts of people are living there. And uh, the thing is, unlike the original prisoner where you know, either the people know they're in this village against their will or they've been so brainwashed they don't know. These people just, they don't even know they're in a, they don't know anything other than the village, right? It's like uh, 
weird, and no one seems to ask, well, where does all the, where do the cars come from? Is there a car factory in the village? No. So where do the cars come from? No one asks those kind of questions. Um, and there's no, <coughs> there's no real, and the big tension in the show was that number two, the original show, the succession of number twos were working for number one, and they're, and it was their, you know, their ass if they didn't get the information out of number six, and then they were replaced. So number two was a very interesting role played by so many different people, but number two was always very kind of nervous and, uh, you know, uh, concerned with, with getting the information. So they themselves were sort of, um, you know, under the thumb of number one, which created this kind of tension. So I think the absolute worst part of – the whole thing is bad, the Prisoner remake. But the worst of the worst of the worst is the character of number two, played by Ian McKellen. It is such a horrible character. And I don't know if it is just poorly written, poorly directed. It just – Ian McKellen is just not right for the role. And the whole character of number two just doesn't make any sense. And the relationship between two and six, which is essential to the show, doesn't really make any sense. And the show, even though I would say after the first episode or two, I felt it may have had a little bit of um, promise. Uh, it, it just devolved into just complete incoherence. And um, it, in the end, it just completely collapsed. There were all these side plots that were took up so much time and were so meaningless like number two's son and number two's wife um, and it, it was I can't even imagine this is what I want to know uh, let's say I'm the head of AMC and, and my guys come to me they're like listen Frank we're thinking of remaking The Prisoner wow that's an interesting idea um, here, 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 okay let, let me, I'll give it the green light see what you come up with give me the scripts when they sh- if they showed me if they delivered to me the scripts that I saw this TV show made out of, I would have read those scripts. I would have been like, "Are you kidding me? This is utter garbage, guys! Let's throw this in the garbage. Start all over again, or let's just cancel this project. These scripts are horrible. We're not going to go through with this. Can't the project is canceled unless you can come up with a good script? Why don't they do that?" How is it they have utter garbage? They didn't even m- make the show yet. I understand they spent money getting it written. They didn't even make the show yet. Pull the plug. If you see the scripts that are like this, pull the plug. But who knows? Maybe the guy's like, yeah, uh, didn't even read them. Uh, um, did you read those scripts? Uh, yeah, they're great. Go ahead, make the show. So maybe the guy just didn't read the scripts. I don't know. Additionally... <coughs> A show like The Prisoner that has such prestige, such a huge fan base, you're remaking it, you're going to be extra sensitive to make sure it's decent and not a, a steaming pile of crap, not a, a, a proverbial dumpster fire. Dear Lord. So yeah, it, don't, don't bother watching it. Just watch the original. Um, and the secret of the show, spoiler alert, if you, want, if you wanted to watch it, this is how I want to just tell you this because it's how incoherent it is so six is actually named mike mike or michael in the real world they never named six in the real world in the show um and that was important i think (coughs) so 
he worked for a surveillance company that had video surveillance all over the world, and he was analyzing the video surveillance to try to find um, patterns. So there were all these people he was watching on these cameras. And then Ian McKellen and his wife, they, they were delving into the mind, and they found out that there's the conscious mind, and then there's the subconscious, but that there's other levels of the mind as well. And they were able to tap into those other levels. <laughs> You're getting this? And so the wife was able to tap into this deeper level of the mind. And then she, she, she somehow got the files of the people that Six was watching in the real world on his video surveillance program. And was able to tap into their minds as well and then b- bring them at that level of their mind into the village. So it was not a virtual, at least it was not a virtual reality. I was convinced that's where it was going. You know, that you, you, you zoom back and all the people in the village are in some sort of virtual reality. They're, they're, they're all plugged into some VR gear in some room, which reminds me of another show I saw recently that <sighs> went for that kind of lazy plot point. 1899. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. <coughs> yes. Anyway. And look, I know I'm into the whole VR thing and the mystery thing, but at this point, just zooming back and every it was all a virtual reality is really kind of a cop out, I think. Anyway, um so somehow the people were like in the village and in the real world at the same time, like at some level of their their deep mind below the subconscious. They were living in this village. But at which point, the, all the stuff in the village about all this surveillance, and it just makes no sense. The show is utterly incoherent. And what I, I would just love to know, again, I'd love to just see the backstory of why they made it. Why would they make it? It, it seemed le- that there were some people who, he, probably big prisoner fans, that overestimated their ability to create a TV show. That's my sense of it. Because there were some throwbacks to it, you know, people saying "BC and you," and the big, the big white balloon was in it, you know, a couple times, really pointlessly. And I guess sort of like the middle of the show, where Six became like a bus driver. I mean, there was some fun stuff there, but it just not enough to to make up for the complete disaster of the show. <coughs> so, I'll give that one a failing grade F fail but interestingly enough um, watching that brought to mind another show from many years earlier uh, from 1993 uh, the year that I can't seem to escape from lately uh, Wild Palms the TV event and I could swear I watched it I could swear I watched it but now I've been watching it I don't remember any of it. This is an, uh, a show produced by Oliver Stone, who in 93 was a pretty relevant director. What has he done lately? I don't know. But anyway, so Oliver Stone's name was attached to it, and it takes place in Los Angeles in 2007. <laughs> I love that. Right at the beginning. It's in the future. It's in the future, the year 2007. <laughs> And listen, if you're sitting there watching, if you're sitting there in 1993 watching it, you're like, wow, 2007, it's the future. 
what is that, 14 years in the future, right? Right? So it's like us here in 2022, uh, the year 2046. Wow, that sounds pretty futuristic. But watching it now, it's like 2007. Yeah, no. That's not the future. That's a long time ago. Get out of here with that crap. That was even before the Prisoner remake came out. 2007. <coughs> but this one stars Jim Belushi, who I think is a really interesting choice for like the lead character. I do like Jim Belushi. Of course, John Belushi's brother. Younger brother. Um, and uh, he plays an attorney who gets involved in all this weird stuff going on, with v- again, with VR. But it's not... Anyway, I think there's going to be more of that VR stuff in this one. But anyway, their vision of, uh, and I haven't finished it. The entire thing is on YouTube. You don't even have to go. You can just watch it on YouTube for free. Um, it also stars Kim Cattrall, Dana Delaney, if you remember her, Robert Loggia. <coughs> Oliver Stone is in it playing himself. Angie Dickinson is in it as the mother who's evil. Ernie Hudson is in it, of course. He also was in uh, Ghostbusters, right? B.B. Newworth is in it. I, I know a lot of these people may not be known anymore these days, but um, Brad Dorif. You, 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 you may not know the name, but you know him. He always plays weird characters. David Warner, who, who played Sark in Tron and many other things and the evil in Time Bandits, he's in it. Um, and all sorts of other people in it. So it's, a, it's an all-star cast. Let me see anyone else that's... Ben Savage? I think he played a kid in it, yeah. I think he was in other stuff. Who else? Any, anyone else? Anyway, that's that's the main cast. But Charles Rocket is in it? Oh, my God. Charles Rocket. And William Gibson is in it playing himself, too. He's the guy that wrote uh, the book that the TV show The Peripheral was based on. I do have to mention something about that as well. Charles Rocket is in the movie. This poor guy. He, he, uh, he said fuck on Saturday Night Live and got fired, and then he died a few years later. What a poor, poor guy. Charles Rocket. I can't believe. He, he's, what, what is he playing this? What is he, what is he doing in... Uh, <coughs> did, they, did they even say... It's not even on his filmography. What the hell? Was he uncredited? Oh, no, hold on, hold on. I was looking at his film filmography. Sometimes the filmographies are separated, film and television, sometimes they're not. He's in Wild, Wild Palms as, as a character named Stitch. <laughs> yeah. They, they were parodying, this was around 1980, in Saturday Night Live, parodying the uh, Who Shot JR from the TV show Dallas. And at the very end of the show, like in character, he says something like, I don't really give a fuck who shot JR or something like that. I, I Don't quote me on that. And he got fired. And then, and then the whole cast got fired, basically. That, that was the, one of the troubled seasons of Saturday Night Live. Troubled seasons. I was watching it back then, Charles Rocket. And then he died at age 56 in 2005. What happened to this guy? Hmm, he was found dead in a field... It was Connecticut property with his throat slit. Ruled a suicide. Hmm. Sounds a little suspicious. He's pissing everyone off this Charles Rocket, okay? Who knows what happened? Anyway, so Wild Palms. 
Yeah, I'm, I think I'm only into the second of... There's five episodes. Um, so first of all, it oozes 90s. Like that 93... There's something... Again, there's something about 1993, as I keep saying. This show just oozes that 90s-ness. Even though it's trying to be 2007, it is so 90s, it hurts in a good, good way. It's just a certain kind of cynicism, a certain kind of personality that people have, a certain kind of worldview, right? It's sort of like the world is improving, but you're cynical about it. It's so hard. I've always struggled to put into words this, the, the nine, that 90s feeling, especially 93. But there was something about it, especially the, the rise of technology and how it was almost like a future shock, right? As Alvin Toffler or Orson Welles, who starred in the TV version, might say, the world was changing rapidly, and we were at the crest of the wave, but we weren't really quite ready for it yet. So we're experiencing this great new world in the 90s that we're not quite ready for, so we face it with great cynicism and questioning and joking and personality and stuff. Um, really, this just oozes that. And it was kind of cool, their their view of 2007. Um, like he, like he's you know he's wearing a suit and tie, but it's like a little like, like around his collar. It's like a little bit of a different style. It's like it's weird how they do that. There's slightly they even like sort of anticipated slightly different clothing styles in 2007. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't think I watched it. I mean, I could have sworn I watched it. I know I played the trailer on the other side from time to time. Uh, how it will go, I don't know. So far, it's very good. But, um, yeah, they definitely compared it to Twin Peaks at the time, I think, as a sort of prestige, weird television. It was just two years after, right? Uh, Twin Peaks ended in 91, and we had Wild Palms. So I definitely remember when it came out. And, again, I could have sworn I watched it, but I may have watched the entire thing but just completely forgot it or forgot 99% of it. It's weird to think. Like, as I'm sitting here right now, if I've forgotten so much stuff, what is, are there some important stuff that I've forgotten? Just natural forgetting. We're not talking about any kind of like condition or anything. I'm just... Imagine all the stuff that I just forgot that I've experienced in life. It's a rather frightening thing. But then again, do you really want to remember all the stuff? Some things you just want to forget. Anyway, back to the whole 90s thing. I, I do feel that, like, around that time period... There was this excitement in the air, right? Just remember, 93 was right before the Internet really took off. A lot of people got the Internet around 94, right? And it also was kind of like the tail end of rock music being relevant in the world, right? That alternative rock from the 90s, everything from Nirvana to Pearl Jam, everything like that. There was a back and endless other bands, Oasis, getting a little more towards mid-90s. Oasis was the end of it, but anyway... um, Right, there was like everything was kind of like there was a crest of a wave of some sort, and then towards the later '90s, it all kind of came crashing down in a way. Rock music never again was the dominant form of of music and pop culture, and I feel like um, the realities of the technology. You know, of course, you had the dot coms, then the dot com crash, and then 9/11, and you know, so like. It's weird. It, it was. It's almost like, in a way, the rise of those energies in the in the late 1960s, right? 
<clears throat> that came crashing down around 69, right? The same way. And, um, right, because there's some, there's some quote, Dennis Hopper, who's in, who's, was in like every movie at a certain point. He said something like, the 1990s are going to make the 60s look like the 50s. What quote is that? I think there's some song that quotes that. So there was this sense that the 90s were going to be like the 60s, and I think it was. I think there was a similar crest of energy that rose and then crashed down. Let's see if we can find that. Okay, so it's a movie called Flashback. I don't remember this movie. Dennis Hopper, of course. Let's see. The quote is, once we get out of the 80s, the 90s will make the 60s look like the 50s. And there was a song that quoted that, too. Let's see if I can find it. Is this it? Kiefer Sutherland? No, I was thinking about investing in some property in upstate Oregon. It's an old hippie commune. Maybe I could convince uh, the woman who lives there to stay there by tempering her with a microwave. Rebellion is a young man's game. I'm doing my best. Yeah, well, we're counting on you. We're going to need you. Because once we get out of the 80s, the 90s are going to make the 60s look like the 50s. Keep that in mind. We found it. But what song? I'm thinking it may have been Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Let me find that. Hmm. It looks like Ned's Atomic Dustbin may have sampled Dennis Hopper <laughs> in uh, Apocalypse Now, but not in... Hmm. Not the other one. That, that's that's weird that I remembered them. Hmm. All right, let me try again here. That way, it's pouring rain out here. If you, in case you can't hear it, it's wild. They also they also sampled um, uh, Officer Powell from Die Hard. Why don't you wake up and smell what you shoveling? <coughs> that's a great one. It's a great that that Godfather album is so good. I wouldn't recommend any, anything else by uh, Nets Atomic Dustbin, but Godfather. The hell is this? I didn't ask for that video. Random videos popping up. That's not look. That's not good. All right, let me see. Let me see. All right. So I think that movie was about Abby Hoffman, but I don't know if Dennis Hopper was playing it. But I cannot find this this quote. Anyway, I'll try to figure it out. All right, I did more research, and I cannot find what song samples that. I'm still thinking it could be Ned's Atomic Dustbin from their follow-up album to Godfather, I think All You Normal, which is nowhere near as good as All You Normal, but maybe I'll listen to it anyway. Any time is the right time to listen to Ned's Atomic Dustbin. I was also I was also thinking that it could be one of those uh, Creative Commons songs that I, I've played thousands of them on the other side, right? It could be one of those kind of songs, too. Anyone know what the song I'm talking about with that quote from the 90s will make the 50s, the 60s look like the 50s? Yeah. If you know, let me know. It's driving me nuts. Anyway, today's episode is called Licking Poison Train Tracks at Sorcery Casino West. And um, I, uh, I came up with this title because I was doing the shuffle 
a part of the book which lists all of the over 10,000 episodes at random. And um, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep that feature. Um, I, I actually removed it from the print portion of the book. But I'm, I keep doing it because it's been in the uh, PDF version of the book, The Shuffle. And uh, I saw some titles of Overnightscape episodes from the past, uh, including um, the, the Licking Poison Train Tracks Companion and uh, Casino Sorcery were two episodes I've done in the past. So I just jotted down Licking Poison Train Tracks at Sorcery Casino West. And um, so in an imaginary sense, this would be a band called Licking Poison Train Tracks uh, live at Sorcery Casino West. Just a fictional casino. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I really like that phrase. I think Licking Poison Train Tracks was originally from uh, some poem I wrote. I just came up with that phrase. And then there was an episode of the Frank Norris show way back when called Licking Poison Train Tracks. I think it's a great name for a band, you know. It just conjures up such a such a weird image. Like there's train tracks that happen to be poison and you're licking them. Um, Sorcery Casino West. Because I've used like West uh, as a turn of phrase, like Dusting Panther, Dusting Panther West. Just I just like coming up with phrases and words and names and things. I love this one. So I was thinking, what font could I use to do this phrase justice? And um, my mind uh, drifted back to a, an impossibly obscure font uh, called Excafon Bold. And I talked about this uh, situation with this font back on the Overnightscape number 1950, uh, Podcaster Al Toco Steel from September 27th, uh, 2022, about a month and a half ago. Maybe, yeah, two months ago. Wait a minute. It's already December. What am I, what am I talking about? It is December. Okay. It's, it's a while ago. So anyway, what happened was this guy, Roger Excafon, a very famous font designer from France, did Antico Leave, the font. You don't know the name, but you know, you'd know you know it if you saw it. He did, um, hold on, let me see uh, Excafon's fonts. Very, very famous fonts. Fonts, I think, Chalk. Um, yeah, Mistral, Banco, Bingo. No, that's Paul's grandfather. Anyway, um, Calypso, and of course, Antico Leave, right? Very a major font, um, major font family. You might know it as Antique Olive, but it's definitely pronounced Olive. Anyway, towards the end of his life, he was working on a new font named after himself called Excafon that was based on all of these theories of readability and everything, and so the guy died. When did he die? He died in 1983. Okay. But this French font designer named Bruno Bernard somehow got in touch with the family and got all of the sketches for this font. And back in 2017, he gave a, a speech at the uh, Type Expo. And I talked all about this on episode 1950. And uh, so he had the blessing of the family to create this font in digital so people could use it. This font was never released in any form. Just the sketches exist. And he showed um, 
screenshots of the sketch of of the fonts, the full fonts uh, on this video. That's the only place that these images exist on this video. But he was very non-committal. I guess he was sort of describing a quandary he was having, and I think he was suffering from perfectionism, that there are a lot of inconsistencies in the design, and uh, he didn't know if he should digitize it as Excafon had drawn it or if he should fix and correct everything without knowing if Excafon would approve. He even asked the crowd if they would vote on that, and now, however many years later, five years later, he hasn't done anything with it. I, I wrote him an email. He never wrote back. This font is amazing, Excafon, and uh, so I made sure to save the video, and I had, uh, even though the book weight had a, a larger screenshot, I was able to grab a screenshot of the bold weight and auto-trace that in uh, Illustrator and do some typesetting with it. So this, what you're seeing here, so this is Licking Poison Train Tracks at Sorcery Casino West, typeset in the one of the most obscure fonts ever, Excafon Bold. And then, you know, I, I give a little wave, you know, some effects in Illustrator, put a circle around it, and applied a kind of a gradient from a pink down to like a an orange or salmon color, as you can see. And I just absolutely love how it came out. I love it. I love Licking Poison Train Tracks at Star Street Casino West. And then on the bottom, I, I, I typeset the overnightscape uh, in, as, a, as a gray in uh, brush script. It just felt right. It's, it seems like a very, well, at a, to at, at, at a time, at one point it was overused. Now it's not really overused. Not necessarily the best font, but it just felt right in this case. And I threw a few more little phrases in there. Uh, audio leisure system. I like that phrase. I used that a couple years ago on an episode called Guargum Opera. And I just called this an audio leisure system. I like that phrase. And then on the right, I wrote uh, Portable Night because, uh, remember, I was talking about that uh, little Portable Night promotional item I had. And it is kind of like Portable Night. You listen to the show wherever you are. You're, like, at night listening to the radio in the middle of the night. And also the mysterious number 414-21256. What is the secret of 414-21256? Well, I know I've told the secret several times on the show, but if you happen to know, uh, you know, um, new, new number bases, you know, like base one is like um, binary, right? We use a base 10 system because there are 10 fingers and thumbs. Um, but you can use any base in a, in a number system. And uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a system of uh, base 36, right? which is represented traditionally by the letters A through Z and then 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 0, right? Base 36. So if you were to uh, type out ONSUG, the name of our channel here, in base 36 and convert it to decimal, base 10, it's 414-21256. little secret number there for you. Anyway, that's the whole story of this show art. I really love it. I wonder what kind of music Licking Poison Train Tracks uh, plays. I don't know. I like it, though. And what is Sorcery Casino West like? What kind of a casino is it? Is it sorcery-themed with, like, wizards and stuff, man? Could be!
right, it's later on now. Got some mezcal. Chilling in the Overnightscape Studio 3. My wife was at a work party, so. Keep recording. So I've continued uh, researching Anthony Newley. Really, really fascinating um, singer, songwriter, celebrity that uh, has all but vanished from uh, anyone knowing about him. The more I dig in, the more surprises I find. Uh, this guy sort of slipped through the cracks, right? The only bare memory I have of him from the time is my mother mentioning that she loved Anthony Newley's work. And our neighbor, her mother also was a big Anthony Newley fan. Um, and, and I know it's sort of a generational thing. Let me read you what it says on the Wikipedia about Anthony Newley. Um, so he was born in 1931, died in 99 at age 67 in Florida. He died in Florida. Was an, uh, Anthony Newley was an English actor, songwriter, singer, and filmmaker, a latter-day British Al Jolson. He achieved widespread success in song and on stage and screen. One of Ro one of Broadway's greatest leading men from night... Uh, from 1959 to 1962, he scored a dozen entries on the UK Top 40 chart, including two number one hits. Uh, newly won the 1963 Grammy Award for Song of the Year for What Kind of Fool Am I, sung by Sammy Davis Jr., and wrote Feeling Good, which became a signature hit for Nina Simone. His songs have been performed by a wide variety of artists, including... Fiona Apple, Tony Bennett, Barbara Streisand, Michael Bublé, and Mariah Carey. With songwriting partner Leslie Brickus, newly won an Academy Award for the film score of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, 1971, featuring Pure Imagination, which has been covered by dozens of artists. He collaborated with John Barry on the title song for the James Bond film Goldfinger, 1964, sung by Shirley Bassey. Newley was also among the most innovative UK acts of the early rock years before moving into musicals and cabaret. An icon of the early 60s, his TV series, The Strange World of Gurney Slade, continues to have a cult following due to its advanced postmodern premise that he is trapped inside a television program. See, that show, I started watching, then I stopped. I got to get back to that show. I have, I have downloaded it. Hailed as one of Hailed as one of Britain's most distinctive talents, Newley was inducted into the Hong so sorry into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1989. And David Bowie, Newley was a an influence, an early influence on the rock musician David Bowie, who was a fan of his. The producer of Bowie's first album, Mike Vernon, even described his first impression of Bowie as a young Anthony Newley. Bowie singing on the anthem. Sorry, Bowie's singing on the album, Rolling Stone noted, was delivered in an over-enunciating over voice that was deeply indebted to popular English actor-singer Anthony Newley. After Newley died, David Bowie recorded one of his songs, what kind of, fool am I, what kind of Fool Am I, as a tribute. And, uh, you know, I, and I did, you know, some episodes ago I, I did talk about the whole 
a movie, Hieronymus Merkin, or the full title, Can Hieronymus Merkin Forget Mercy Hump and Find Happiness? A movie that I watched, which is very difficult to find, which which had a very disturbing angle of uh, um, Anthony Newley being uh, attracted to very very young women, um, leaving at using the term child lover, while his ex-wife Joan Collins said that it it was he was attracted to young women, but not children, seventeen, eighteen years old. Not that that's excusing it, but anyway, I talked all about that movie in another episode. Um, there's just something about him that's very hard to pin down. You know, it does seem that he had this burst of creativity, and then in the later years became like a cabaret singer, singing every show was kind of like a uh, just a, the set of songs he wrote when he was younger, which I know is the the lot in life of many a, an older singer though they may try to write new songs, none are anywhere near as good as the early songs. And that might relate to the phenomenon I mentioned and always try to understand how people when they're younger have this, as I mentioned earlier, this connection to the muse to be able to have a a much greater songwriting capacity in the field of songwriting and then forever sort of be beholden to their younger self, having to sing the songs their younger self wrote. But what I found uh, recently was a TV special. Um, it is the Anthony Newley Show, a TV special from 1971. And uh, I watched the whole thing. It's on YouTube. It's uh, really weird in a number of ways. The whole thing is just on a stage in front of an audience. And it's Anthony Newley and his two guests, um, Liza Minnelli and Diane Carroll. And I always get Diane Carroll mixed up with Diane Cannon. <laughs> but Diane Carroll, um, who was a big star at the time in um, a TV show called Julia, I believe. And uh, she was the, they said she was the first black actor in a TV show um, to play a non-typical role or a non-stereotypical role. She was a nurse in the TV show. Um Here's what it says: it was the first series on American television to star a black a black woman as an in a non stereotypical role, so usually a maid or some other kind of servant. And and he does mention her nurse outfit in this episode. But the the setup of the episode is that uh, Liza Minnelli and Diane Carroll are coming over to <laughs> Anthony Newley's apartment, and they're both there. But he's he he's trying to uh, you know make the moves on one or the other of them as his his sort of persona as kind of this. Uh, ladies man or you know uh i don't know the right word for it but just you know the sort of lovable cat he even mentions at one point oh you know comedically oh i i know hugh hefner you know so it's sort of a hugh hefner wannabe kind of character and they sing a lot of songs in between but there's these running jokes in the in the show um and one of them has to do with nurps n-u-r-p-s the spelling can be inferred from one of his statements. And I was so kind of just baffled by this whole NERPS thing that I actually went and made an, a NERPS edit. And uh, I'll play it for you now. It's for the other side. And uh, it will be in a future other side. But it's only about six minutes long. But check out this thing with NERPS. It's just very strange as a running joke. It's just we- There's something about it that seems a little bit 
I mean, obviously, it has to do with gender and things, and it could be these days everyone's so offended by everything. Um, let's just look past that. Obviously, it's it's a little, but it's weird. I don't even know what he's saying. Let's just check this out. So I'm, I just kind of, this is my edit, and uh, check out the whole thing with NERPS. I I'm just, yeah. See what you think about this. So this is my edit of the video to get all the NERP stuff and the other references. Oh, hi. Hi. I'm, uh, I'm Anthony Newley. I'll be with you in a moment. Like he had a TV special in 71. He was, he was big enough to have a TV special. Now no one knows who he is. He's definitely like a total weirdo. And he put these two rabbits in a cage and he added enough carrots to last for four weeks. A couple of weeks later he came back, same two rabbits were in the cage. Except there are only two weeks supply of carrots left. Now this proves two things to me. One, rabbits love carrots. And two, you can't go into the fur trade with two male rabbits. Like that right there, like that's sort of a running joke. Like what the hell? Like did people do that? They would just put rabbits in a cage with tons of carrots and hope they would reproduce generation after generation so they could then come slaughter them and turn them into a fur coat? The hell? Some really dark stuff. To see no friends or relations on weekend vacations. Won't have it known, dear, that we own a Good evening, Anthony Newley residence, home of good taste, good conversation, and all the carrots you can eat. See, so call, they're calling back to this. Like, is that funny? I, I don't know. I, what the hell kind of point is he trying to make here? Anyway. Miss Liza. But the, the audience is just laughing their heads off. Or is it a laugh track? I don't know. Liza Minnelli. Sorry. Heavy on the carrots. Liza Minnelli. Miss Liza Minnelli. Heavy on the carrots. Liza Minnelli, if you don't know, is the daughter of Judy Garland, who played uh, Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz movie. Yeah. Oh, it was, I checked it out. She was about 25 when she did this show. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Liza Minnelli. <laughs> it's sort of so random. And it's just the three of them on the show. Liza Minnelli, Anthony Newley, and Diane Carroll. I mean, there's like nothing on TV like this anymore. It's just like there used to be specials like this where just people sang and did little like, you know, banter skits and stuff. You know. Nobody near us to see or to hear us. No friends or relations on weekend vacations. Mm. We won't have it known. See, Liza Minnelli and Anthony Newley like sing in a very weirdly over enunciating way, right? Good evening, Anthony Newley residence. Miss Diane Carroll, send her straight down. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Diane Carroll. Don't worry, we'll get to the NERP soon. You just need this foundation. You have to know. You have to know who's involved in this show before we get to the nerps. And that that there's actually a callback to that line later. Yes, you'll see. You'll hear. Did you know that an oyster 
is a bivalve? That means that at any given time, an oyster is either a male or a female. The same oyster can change backwards and forwards between a she and a he. What is up? What is up with this audience? You know, there's an oyster that can change into a she. <laughs> oh, that's so funny! Is that funny? It's what? That's why they don't go out a lot. <laughs> well, they keep themselves pretty much themselves, mind you. They can afford to. Yeah, but it wouldn't work for us, though, would it? I mean, can you imagine how ridiculous it would be to be riding along in a bus to get up to give your seat to a lady? By the time she sits down, she's a man, you're a woman. I mean, you spend the whole trip going up and down. <laughs> it would also be pretty horrendous to go to bed with your wife and wake up with your husband. <laughs> what should we call him? Hold on, I think I messed up there. Hold on. <laughs> a woman. I mean, you spend the whole trip going up and down. Sorry, we had to rewind a little bit there. What is up with this audience? It's pretty horrendous to go to bed with your wife and wake up with your husband. Jeez. What we need is a third sex. So we can have a choice. What should we call them? Nerps. Nerps. For the want of a better word. I'm sure there is a better And I, I tried looking this up and I could find no reference to this whole Nerps concept. I thought maybe he, it was just some writer or him wrote this, this really random thing about Nerps, the third sex. For the want of a better word, I'm sure there is a better word, but just for the time, we'll call them nerps. Then a man could marry either a female or a nerp, and a female could marry either a nerp or a man, and the nerps could marry or be married by either the male or the female. I, I mean, I get the sense that, like, this may be like, um, like he was just sort of rambling in private conversation and then used it for the show. It kind of comes across like that. But it's just really bizarre, like what he's talking about, you know. I hereby declare you man and nut. <laughs> At first, there'd be one or two painful transitions. I'm dancing with tears in my eyes, because the girl in my arms is a nut. <laughs> right, it almost sounds like kind of this weird drunken conversation where... Like everyone around, like just imagine he started the NERP thing like at a party or something and everyone's like fawning over him because he's a big celebrity and laughing at this, like cracking up at this NERP thing. So he thinks it's like more entertaining than it is. <laughs> That's the sense I get of it. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown. Jill stayed up with a NERP. <laughs> right. It, it has that sense of like people, just the word NERP is funny, you know, kind of like nerd. It's NERP. Um. There's just something about this that just doesn't make much sense on, like, a major TV special, you know? You can fool some of the people all of the time. You can fool all of the people some of the time. But you can't fool around with a nerd. Right? It just it sort of seems like someone going on and on with something, and all these drunken people are, like, laughing at it. It's very odd. charge a dime for a towel <laughs> it here where he's like claiming like the the joke is that he's charging for stuff in his bathroom really seems like he's kind of he kind of ripped that off from jack benny because there was that movie what was that movie with fred allen and jack benny where jack benny was doing the same thing he had to like charge money in his house for stuff 
I don't know if it's a callback to that or a reference to that. I'm not sure. It's weird. <laughs> and again, this is just a short edit of the entire thing, which you can watch on YouTube. Doesn't everybody? Yeah. Where is Diane? Oh, uh, well, I left her talking to some NERP. <laughs> See, and they keep going with the NERP thing. What were they talking about? Well, what do you usually talk about with the NERP? <laughs> Liza, sing among yourselves for a minute. This is a job for Batner. So what is he saying? Like, he, he has to go see that Diane is talking to a NERP. This is a job for Batman. I'm going to go and see Diane talking to the NERP. What? Sensational, my darling. Oh, by the way, I just checked out on that NERP with Diane. It's all right. He's an officer and a gentleman. Not necessarily in that order, but it's okay. <laughs> what does that even mean? An officer and a gentleman, but not in that order? So he's a gentleman and an officer? It's like it's a set, like this could be some sort of meta humor where kind of like the whole no soap radio thing where he's saying things that are completely unfunny and make no sense but there's a laugh track and no one's even going to notice I don't know now that we are alone I I'm sure it's occurred to you as it has to me that uh, two is company So maybe he was maybe there was something like they were talking about how the American audience is unsophisticated and they'll laugh at anything I bet you I could have a, a network TV special and everything I say makes no sense whatsoever, but people will laugh at it. Well, Anthony, I'll take you on that bet. I think you're underestimating the American people. We'll see about that, uh, fellow, my fellow British person. Three is a crowd. Oh, Tony, are you leaving? <laughs> Am I? Where have I been? Oh, darling, you haven't been anywhere. Uh, you know what I think I'll do, darling? I'll go and talk to that nerd for two minutes, 45 seconds, I think. Oh, well, how long will you be? <laughs> As I say, I'll be for two minutes, 45 seconds. Why? Well, that's how long it takes you to sing your song, sweet girl. <laughs> two minutes, 45 seconds. <laughs> Plus applause. Side by side. You know what nerd spelled backwards is? By side. <laughs> that's how I got the spelling, prune. So it must be N-U-R-P, right? There's no, there's not written down anywhere, but nips. Makes the drink. Oh, this is beautiful, guys. You like it? It's a very rare fur. It's made from the skin of two male rabbits. See, so a callback to the rabbit joke, which made no sense. Cozy to hide in, to live side by side by side in. Don't let it abide in my dreams. See, he has that very distinctive, like, just o overdone singing style. Yeah, th that I find very interesting. But you, but you can see, like, Bowie kind of sang that way, too, right? He's, he's, he's a total acolyte, uh, a total disciple of the uh, newly school of singing. By the way, sweet ladies, there will be a small charge of a dollar for the Pope. <laughs> and uh, an extra five dollars for the tea. The reason it's so cheap is because the orchestra brought their own. Oh. What's this for? That's a little something for yourself. We've had such a lovely tea. A boy for you and a nerd for me. A boy for you and a nerd for me. What? <laughs> There's my edit. Yes. Ooh. 
this is the next song and the other side that will be coming at some point in the future for you. See, this is a preview. This is other side G67 in my internal uh, coding system. Road Trip by the Breakaways. All right. Well, listen, we don't want to... Listen, the other side is supposed to be kind of a surprise. We don't want to, like, uh, reveal too much about the other side, right? Well, the, 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 you'll know when the other side with the NURPS is on when you hear this at the very beginning. Remember this one? This is me. The Sneaky TT Broadcasting System is on the air. A mighty overnight audio trans... This is from 2010, by the way. What a long time ago now. Only one year after The Prisoner, 2009. Transmission with music, pinball, movies, product reviews, relaxation, weirdness, synthesis, government, and oh so much more. Stay tuned for the wildest dark ride of the mind in the wilderness of cyberspace. 1423, come on. So this is my sneaky TT broadcasting system concept, which eventually morphed into the other side. This, this is like a precursor to the other side. And this is one of those um, Polar Lion songs I made, right? Correct? Yeah. I really like this one. It just sounds like a good opening for a, like a, a radio show like that. Now, Up and Down by the Wavers. There's a few surf songs in here. All right, that's enough of a preview. We don't need to preview this other side, which is coming up who knows when. I did pretty well over the weekend. I have a, a bunch in reserve. <coughs> How many do I have? One, two, three, four, five. Seven in reserve. See, I usually run out of other sides, but now I have a bunch in reserve. What about that one I made with like a ton of, like fifty different entries? Maybe I should play that. Maybe for this ep other side, I'll do this one. This is the most recent. This is G sixty nine. Starts off like this. I think this would be good for this episode. Oh, it sounds like he's saying NURPS. Holy shit. Holy shit. That is such a synchronicity. I swear to you, I did not have any idea. He's saying NURPS? Is he real? Oh, my God. Hold on. Hold on. Genociding the NURPS? What? Wait a minute. There's no way. There's no... What? The? All right. What the hell just happened? All right. <laughs> so... I spilled mescal on my wires here. I messed. I, I hope the wires are okay, but I I wasted a little bit of mescal, and uh, and then I then I was still recording, and then I I went over to get some paper towels, and I I dropped my recorder, so I lost the last few seconds of that of that piece. Total chaos here. I'm trying to clean the uh, mescal off the wires. Yeah. Should I put that in my show notes? Cleaning mescal off wires. That sounds pretty good. Listen, things are going nuts here. Okay. We're cleaning mescal off wires. Comma, space. Anyway, in another TV news, um, <coughs> I did finish watching the first two episodes of Willow. As I mentioned last time, the, the remake of... Not a remake, a continuation of the story of uh, Willow, the movie from the 80s. 
yeah, the next episode's not out yet. Um, I mean, it, it's not good. It has a lot of problems. The acting is really bad. And the whole story is the, the most typical, like there's an evil lord going to take over the land and you got to save them. And um, just, uh, I, I don't know why, I, just because, uh, you know, the Allura Dannon factor, you know, remember Allura Dannon, the little baby in Willow? So she was sort of, her identity was kind of secret. Like you're trying to figure out who is Allura Dannon. And when they do the reveal, it was kind of interesting. This one guy's like, oh, so you're a Laura Dannon, huh? She she did, never knew she was a Laura Dannon. Anyway, I don't know if I'm going to keep watching. I guess I'll keep watching it. I don't know. It's bad, though. It's not It's not good. It's not The, the original Willow was kind of bad, too. What do you want? Anyway, uh, and then the Peripheral, the show on Amazon, which was so good. When I watched the first couple episodes, I was so blown away by it. The eighth and final episode of season one. Uh, finished and it's still it's still really good but it got a little bit less good as the season went on i have to say um (coughs) still a great show but slightly disappointed by the last couple episodes listen i i i understand like you know we have such a such a lot of great television these days we have to be a bit uh critical in our in our analysis of these shows but peripherals well worth watching it's very good it's about alternate timelines what show what show isn't about alternate timelines every show is about alternate timelines these days so much alternate timelines anyway let's go from alternate timelines to celebrity deaths okay there's been quite a few lately as there always are Christine McVie from Fleetwood Mac, dead at age 79. I have to say that I never really was that. I mean, of course, Fleetwood Mac is kind of an omnipresent thing that's everywhere all the time. Um, And I've been aware of Christine McVie, but I never really was that into her. And 79 is not too bad. But anyway, she's dead. Can you believe they fired uh, Lindsey Buckingham from the band? (laughs) That's ridiculous. Lindsay Buckingham, I got fired from Fleetwood Mac. Did you? The hell. Um, another celebrity death, Bob from Sesame Street, dead at age 90. Wow, Bob was one of the original guys on Sesame Street. Just the stalwart of Sesame Street. He, his, his last name was McGrath, you know. But I knew him as Bob from Sesame Street. Very kindly man. I don't know if he did he run a store. Was he a janitor? I'm not sure what the hell he was, but I... Uh, you know, as I was a, a watcher of Sesame Street from episode one in '69, I was I was one of the original kids that watched Sesame Street. Okay, was he on Sesame Street from the beginning, or let's see? I mean, he's ninety; he probably was a founding cast member. Was he there in Sesame Street episode one? What is this? Him singing with. Uh... A puppet. You know, there are all kinds of interesting people that live right around your neighborhood, like oh, the postman and the policeman. Hey, did you order these uh, groceries here? Oh, hi there. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I did. Yeah, these are your groceries. That's Bob. The, no. Uh, wow, Bob. Wow. No, oh, that's a Twin Peaks thing. Wait a second. Um, ninety. And finally, Kirsty Alley just died at age seventy-one. She, of course, was on Cheers. Did she replace? Uh, Wait, is she the one that replaced um, Shelley Long? 
I'm trying to think of she yeah, cheers. Did she replace it? <coughs> hmm. Anyway, yeah. Shelly Long really should not have quit Cheers, but it's a long line of people that are too big for their britches quitting a television show and then never really achieving that level again. She was very good. I, I watched the, the first few seasons of Cheers, I think, with Shelley Long, but then Kirstie Alley. And she was also in a Star Trek episode or a movie or something. But Kirstie Alley was an unrepentant Scientologist and just really just loved it and kept promoting it, so... I don't dig that. But anyway, dead at 71. That's pretty young. Kirstie Alley. She, you know, you always want to say, Christie? Is she her name Christie? No, it's Kirstie. It's kind of shocking that she died, you know. She's very, she's very young. 71. Remember the Paunch Stevenson show used to, used to cover the celebrity deaths all the time? I asked Rob about the Paunch Stevenson show. I, I don't know if there's going to be any more. There, I think there was... Well, let's take a look at the Ansug book, shall we? I, I have it right here. And uh, Paunch Stevenson. I don't even have a table of contents anymore. There will be a new table of contents, don't worry. But what was the most recent Paunch Stevenson show? It's a great, great show here in the archive. That uh, mass, a mass uh, archive of episodes. Here we go. Yeah, starting in 2005, Rob and Greg. Rob, of course, from the band Fuzzy Dawpner that I was involved with. They've done so many episodes. And in 2021, they did six episodes. In 2022, they only did one episode, episode 314, back in March. Um, Rob said he, he, would, he would be open to doing more. He just doesn't really have much to say on pop. He doesn't really, he's not really watching a lot of pop culture movies or TV shows or anything anymore. He's a father. He has two young sons. So he may not have time for all of this frivolous entertainment products. But, yeah, they used to always cover the celebrity deaths. That was a good segment on their show. Could we find one of their episodes of celebrity deaths to just kind of... You know what I mean? Let me see if we can do this. So... <laughs> So if we go to the Ansug book, the one I've been telling you about, right? Let's see. <coughs> I want to hear some of their celebrity death stuff. All right, I think I found a good one. The Pawn Stevenson Show 37 from July 17th, 2006, wherein they cover the celebrity deaths of Sid Barrett and Red Buttons. <laughs> Let's see, try to find this one, shall we? This just demonstrates the depth and breadth of this archive. I think this is it. About 10 minutes and 50 seconds in. Let's see what's going on with these celebrity deaths. I never knew that uh, so that Sid Barrett and Red, Red Buttons died around deaths. the same time. Oh, no. One, I don't know if you're going to mention this one, but one of them is my fault. What? We put the porn talk on an old guy and he's dead. <laughs> well, we have Sid Barrett. Yes. Let's see. He was, of course, we're checking this on deadoraliveinfo.com, one of our favorite websites. Yes. Sid Barrett. Sid and that website eventually died. And I think they mentioned that the Punch Stevenson show outlived deadoraliveinfo.com. Yeah, founding member and guitarist of the band Pink Floyd, known for being reclusive in his later years. 
born what? January 6th, 1946, died July 7th, 2006, 60 years old. Yeah, uh, so young. was both the, I, I guess you would say, the early uh, influence and early uh, creative uh, genius behind Pink Floyd, Yeah, uh, as well as the later, um, I guess you would say, um, inspiration. Because, um, you know, he, he was a bit mentally in, uh, unstable in the first place. <laughs> yeah. And he did a lot of LSD. Yeah. So by the, I guess it was, I don't know. Now, by the way, I've done a lot of research on this topic, and the family maintains that he was not insane, he was not mentally ill, he was not on this autism spectrum, it wasn't the LSD. They're claiming that they don't know what the hell was wrong with them. But I under, I've heard this story many times about them giving him too much LSD. You know. 68, 69, <laughs> he was just so out of it that he just they just couldn't keep him in the band anymore. So they had to. Re- I mean, he obviously had problems. Like I, I think there's an interview with him that I played on the other side where it's insufferable trying to hear him talk. There was something wrong with the guy. Obviously, good songwriter though. Place him uh, with David Gilmore, and he eventually, like you know, a big part of the uh, the uh, Dark Side of the Moon album as well as uh, Wish You Were Here uh, album is Roger Waters writing the songs, thinking about uh, you know Sid Barrett. Shine on you, crazy diamond. Who was his friend? Yeah. Who went berserk? Yeah. Although they did continue to uh, pay him his royalties. Oh, well, that's good for all those uh, all those years. That's good. So there's him, and the other celebrity death is Red Buttons. Ah, this is the one I was talking about. Red Buttons. Yeah, uh, comedian and actor, and he hosted the Red Button Show on TV, and later appeared in many movies, including The Longest Day and The Poseidon Adventure. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was in that. Yeah, Poseidon. When did Along with Shelley Winters, episode thirty. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um, who, he was born who? February fifth, nineteen nineteen. Died July thirteenth, two thousand six. And he was 87 years old. Yeah, they talked about, uh, I guess there was a remake of The Poseidon Adventure in 2006 starring Kurt Russell and Richard Dreyfuss. What? <laughs> Just another horrible, re- <coughs> I'm assuming a horrible remake. Poseidon Adventure was legendary. It was always on TV for <coughs> like a while in the 80s. Every time you turn on the TV, on the local channels, they always be, be showing The Poseidon Adventure. It was like a real long movie that must have been real cheap to show, you know? Oh, yeah. So that's that's another one we can add to the list. Yep. Um, I wanted to mention our friend Frank. Ooh, to talk. Wait, oh, wait a second. We're gonna keep listening. They're talking about me. They're talking about me. I hope it's me. They may have other friends called Frank. Theovernightscape.com. Yes. Uh, he, he does, Talk about me, yes. Does the podcast? We were on his show, if you recall, a while back. <laughs> if you go to his site, if you go on, on the main page, there's a picture of Frank standing in front of balloons that say 500. Oh yeah, that's when I did 500 episodes. Remember that? He has reached episode 500. Wow. See, I had no idea they're going to talk about me. Wow. 
We are on episode 37. He is on episode 500. Thank you. Thank you. Please, no applause. Thank you. Yes, keep applauding. If people can applaud NERPS, they can applaud me, for God's sakes. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe someday we'll... We'll Thank you from the future. Well, you got to three hundred something. I don't know. I don't. I don't think Fawn Stevenson is getting to five hundred at this point. Unless you guys really get back to it, you know. Episode five hundred. Yeah, I don't know, Rob. I don't know. I don't know. Rob from two thousand six. Uh, how long will that take at this rate? Um, probably like ten years. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Literally, probably about nine or ten more years. Well, ten years later was twenty sixteen. Uh, yeah. You know that the the sad part is we'll probably still be doing the show. And, uh, yeah, no one will still be listening. So uh, Now, yes, they will. I'm, I'm listening right now. Anyway, um, there's a song that Rob did called Cowboy Kruger. I have played it on the other side. Let me see if I can find it here. Cowboy Kruger Returns. And I could swear, I asked him about this, when I, uh, and, uh, like, if that was my voice on the recording. And he said it was not. Um. And, uh, you know, hold on, where is it here? Cowboy Kruger. Mm-hmm. Cowboy Kruger return. What the hell? Come on. Cowboy Kruger returns. It's only 45 seconds long, please. I, I could swear I was on this recording, but he said I was not. Check this out. See that that's me. That's me, definitely. How, how could I mean like that droning voice? Like it just you know it is. And here is the actual song "Cowboy Kruger." This is by Rob's band Guitari from back in the day. I played these on the other side a few times. Um, the original "Cowboy Kruger," and I asked him about this when I was on. Was I on the Punch Stevenson show or were they on my show? I don't know. It was a couple years ago. I was in their backyard, and he gave the whole information about Cowboy Kruger. But let's hear Cowboy Kruger, shall we? This is Rob. He's musically talented. He was in. He was like the musical. Like, he did all the recording for Fuzzy Doffner, for God's sakes. This is the Cowboy Kruger that returned. And I think I was in... I was not in this song, by the way. Like the explanation was there was like this this kid in their class in high school, not the guy from, not Gerard Way, because Ger- Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance, who also created the Umbrella Academy, was in their class as well. But there was this other guy in their class that had something to do with Cowboy Kruger. I don't remember. Cowboy. 
I'm assuming it's in reference to Freddy Krueger from A Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm not sure. Oh, boy, stuff right nice but now what comes next in my this is my massive collection of over 4600 tracks from the other side orbits per second by Teo Vincent the fourth no we don't need that one I played that twice on the other side so far anyway we're, get, we're getting really behind the scenes here what about John Philip Sousa's Lamb's March only played it once on the other side Thank you. Thank you, John Philip Sousa. Anyway, on to other news. I, uh, I'm going to go see Fish in just a few weeks. Yes, Fish, the band Fish, um, is doing their New Year's run at Madison Square Garden, four nights. And uh, let me look at the calendar here. They're doing the 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st. So um, that's a New Year's Eve show. So I... I when they're at MSG, because it's so close to me and so easy to get to MSG, Madison, Madison Square Garden for me. Um, I don't want to like spend the money or have the hassle of going to the New Year's show or whatever. So I'm going to go to the first show on the 28th, Wednesday the 28th, and I'll be in Section 209. That's two weeks, no, three weeks and one day. Yes, and I did this earlier this year. I went to see them. Their New Year's uh, run was was uh, postponed because of the COVID-19 uh, issue, and they did it in April. So I went to one of those shows in April as well. I did not get Section 209, though. Um, I got some other section, which, uh, you know, I, it was a good show, though. And uh, But then when I went to see Duran Duran at Madison Square Garden, I was in Section 209, and my wife Denise came with, with me. This So I saw there were two tickets left way at the top of section 209 and they were fairly inexpensive as such things go only 134 dollars each i know that may not sound very cheap but that's pretty cheap for this sort of thing to get the tickets originally you have to enter kind of a lottery system which i I, it's just ridiculous um anyway so my neighbor brad who has uh, become kind of a fish fan as i've been sort of trying to turn people on to fish he's going to go with me in three weeks so there in section 209, I'll be there to watch Fish for the first of their Fortnite spectacular. Very much looking forward to seeing Fish. One of my favorite bands ever. I ought to see the man, okay? He, it's a shame about the blood. 
your cat. Uh, poster nutbag? Thesis that you're writing is a load of shit. But I'm glad you finally finished it. See, there's just a few outtakes of fish from my mind. All right. I paused there for a minute. So why don't we check out an, an interview with Anthony Newley I have not seen yet on Joan Rivers' talk show in 1985. Was this at the point where she kind of like really pissed off Johnny Carson, was kicked off as a guest host on The Tonight Show and started her own show? And here's Anthony Newley. He's singing and he's about to go talk to Joan Rivers. Let's see what's going on in 1985. Woo! Joan Rivers. First of all, that you wore a costume is so adorable. And you are what? I am an English lord. (gasps) So we were still with you at that point. Yes, and you know what's so extraordinary? If you had stayed with us, Joni, you could have had your own queen and everything. I know. The audio is very low. Let me turn the volume up here. Sorry. Whoa, a little too high, a little, little too high. But yeah, the audio is a little low on there. Well, I do in many well, cases, yeah. but uh, <laughs> you still yeah. have a, a selection of your own. But you could have had a real, a you know, real queen if I stay with you English people. <laughs> yes. She pissed off Johnny Carson, then she pissed off someone at the, towards the end of her uh, days there. Yeah, it's not the less said the better. You wrote pop the. Goes the weasel. Uh, that's a very old English folk song. Yes. As indeed aren't we all? But so we just adapted <laughs> that and gave it that sort of. Uh, that's that what rhythm. I mean. Yeah. That, but you adapted yeah. that when you were in your rock period. Y- yes. Well, I, you were a rock star originally. Isn't that unbelievable. Yeah. But I've been a performer for many years before that happened. It was almost an accident. I did a, a film in which I played a rock and roll singer, and the album was released, and overnight I was one of them. What movie was that? When was this uh, back in the this 60s? This was in 70s? the late 50s. 50s? Uh, I don't know, I mean, who was a big star? Oh, uh, Elvis. Elvis. Do you remember Elvis? Short, I mean, short, <laughs> about that same time in England, we were doing, doing this in England. Did you enjoy being yeah, I loved, a rock star? I loved it. It is the most exciting thing. I mean, it's, it's uh, something devoutly to be wished. I mean, lots of ladies crushing your body. It was marvelous. Why don't you think the rock stars in this country appreciate it? They all seem so unhappy. Yeah, it's a pity because success should be a lot of fun, yes. shouldn't it? But uh, I hear sort of sad stories about most of them having to be... Gu- now, could it be this... Sorry, the volume is very high. Could it this be this movie, Idol on Parade, from 1955? Hmm. The movie depicts Jeep Jackson, the main character in the military... Hmm. That could have been it. I don't know, though. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Let's get back to the interview, shall we? Guarded and, and uh, not going out anywhere. That poor, sweet little Michael Jackson never goes anywhere, does he? He yeah. has disguises and things. And it's, it's a tragedy because success should be... Enjoyable. Wow, Anthony Newley talking about Michael Jackson. Nice. Enjoyable. Yes. Do you find your success enjoyable? Yeah, but I, mean, I don't have that kind of success. But, I mean, if it isn't fun... Why would you try so hard to attain it? But look what's happened to you now. You did stop the world, I want to get off, in 1960. And it was a huge hit then. And then you've revived it, and you're out all over again. And it's a yes. huge hit I saw it in Boston. You yes. were wonderful. Thank you for coming, down. Oh, and thank girl, you for entertaining. You were wonderful. You were so kind to all the girls in my show. And they little sent you tramps, all their love. Yes, yes the, well, little, <laughs> the little newly trumpets. <laughs> and they sent you a T-shirt, which I'm going to give you later. <laughs> girls, I hadn't forgotten. But they sent you a T-shirt. 
to be mature later. But they're lovely girls. Um, yes, we're going to be all over, as you know. Uh, it's been a blur. But you, everywhere we've gone, people have been so lovely to us. Did you think it was going to work again to revive something? It was uh, well, um, well, it's, 25 it's years later. Yeah, it's always a risk. I think the show is fairly classic. Uh, we changed some of the jokes because some of the people who were fairly topical in the early 60s, of course, have gone to that great place in the thingy, but um, we, we ch change things like that, but uh, basically the show works. It's funny, it's moving, and it's about things... This is being... Wait, hold on. I, it, sh it showed where this was being recorded. And it's about... KPTV in Portland. You know, love. Oregon, because it's a K. Oh, it made me look at that show. Not Maine. It's a man's world, as you can be in a show in 1960, it's Anthony Newley playing the lead, and 25 years later, there you are, Mr. Studd, you go right back on stage, and you do the same show again, but the girls have to change, because yeah. the women that were women... That is unfair, but yeah. it's always been unfair, hasn't it? Tell Stop me. the word I want to get on. What? There's a jump cut. Oh, here he is singing. Here we go. Why did they cut off the conversation? What kind of... Oh, I wanted to hear, uh, sorry, let's get back to the normal volume here. I wanted to hear uh, David Bowie doing What Kind of Fool Am I? Let's see if we can find that. Hmm. Can't seem to find that one. That's weird. I can't find the Bowie version. I guess we'll just have to hear Anthony Newley do it in some other time and place. And all the others put together. Oh, is this that concert from uh, Monte Carlo I saw recently? Because there's those diamond shaped with lights. Remember Monte Carlo and Overwatch 2 as well? Weird. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Fascinating, weird aspect of. I don't remember this guy being on TV at all. I never saw him. Or if I did, I, I wouldn't have remembered it because I didn't know who he was. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's see where I am with Wild Palms here. Got to keep watching this. I'm almost done with episode one. I went to see Daddy. Really? Angie Dickinson. Is he well? Tell me about the father's mother. Dan Delaney. Tell me what you know about the abduction of children. Yeah, there's some very kind of like dark stuff in this episode uh, about these like Illuminati type groups that are like abducting children, you know. What is that? Did I lose my place? All the damn time! Robert Loggia. Uh, I think I lost my place. What you know about the abduction of children. It was a way to strike at men who wanted to burn the fabric of our country, of our world. If the children of our enemies could join us and turn against their own, this would be a great gift. That was the thinking, anyway. How far did it go, Mother? These groovy people in 2007. The future! Yes! Hey. Back on the porch, continuing with this cigar, which is, uh, I don't know. Not uh, a super impressive cigar, really. It's okay. With all that talk of how it's the greatest cigar ever, it's just okay. It's not bad. It's just, you know, it's all right. 
It's 53 degrees out here Fahrenheit, and uh, it's actually kind of warm for these days. I don't have to wear a coat. I just wear my uh, that American Giant hoodie I wear every, all over. When I'm in the house, I wear my hoodie because it's kind of drafty and cold in the house. I love this hoodie. Listen to the rain. Hear the rain? You hear it? It's raining. So what is uh what what is this reality thing? I just I know most people just don't worry about it. They don't think about it. They're faced with this scenario where they're born and they slowly rise to consciousness and memory as a child and oh I'm here in the world. What's that song? Welcome to the world. Is that the song? Everybody wants to rule the world. Yes. But like you just sort of like uh, phase in over time. They're like, oh, I'm here in the world. But it's, it's, it's a bizarre, insane. The situation is, is like, what? Like, what? I'm like, I'm like in one human body, this human form, and I'm living this life, and I'm in this society. Like, What? How did I get here? What is going on? I know most people just accept it. Oh, this is just the way it is. I just question it constantly. It just does not seem normal or natural, this whole situation. I know other people think the same thing. Because all the TV shows like The Prisoner and Wild Palms and everything, everyone's questioning the nature of reality. But, like, there's obviously some purpose... Is there a purpose? This is the question. I'm, I just said there's obviously some purpose or point to it, but maybe there's not. That's the that's the main thing. Maybe there's not. Though I deeply feel that there's a purpose and point to it. Perhaps the most extraordinary explanation is that the those in the uh, materialist atheist set are right. And this is this did all come about in an undirected fashion in some random universe, and that we're all the products of physical and chemical reactions and our thoughts and beliefs and our elaborate delusions about what world the world could be are just chemical reactions in the brain. Of course, that doesn't explain consciousness, so that's the that's our trump card here. Just like the Trump Marina. It's our Trump card here. Going down the road of materialism. Not in terms of loving money and things, but in terms of believing the material is all there is. You might almost accept <coughs> that reality. In which case, the flights of fancy that we can each come to in our minds as to who we are, where we come from, and what's going on. If they're all delusions, if they're all fantasias, how extraordinary is that? The beautiful, sad, elaborate schemes in our minds to make some sense of this perhaps ultimately nonsensical experience. 
I guess there's one one thing I I've, I've thought about that really kind of it just kind of bugs me. You know, talking about three-dimensional reality, which we're in a three-dimensional reality as far as we can perceive. And then theorizing about higher dimensional geometries, a fourth dimension, a fifth dimension, a sixth dimension. What is it that keeps us, our bodies, our houses, our cars, our doors, locked into a 3D space? If, it, if we're a 3D space within a larger, higher dimensional space, why don't things just fall over in a four, five, six, seven dimensional direction? What is keeping us locked in? to a three-dimensional space. And the an- the only answer I've been able to come up with sort of intuitively is that oh it's it's it is a f- it is sort of um this three-dimensional reality is a thought form or it's kind of a a product of the mind, right? If, you know, if you want to sort of take a shortcut say it, we're in the mind of God. Every time I use that word God, I I would like to point out that it means a million different things to a million different people. It's not a good descriptive word. I mean, we kind of intuitively know kind of what it means, but when people say it, what are they really saying? What does it mean to each person? But again, in a in a material scheme, right, what is keeping us our physicality locked into three dimensions, right? If you think of the Flatland, the book Flatland by Edwin Abbott, which you should read, changed my life when I read it as a kid, Um, theorizing a two-dimensional universe, flat beings, flat creatures, and then also that book, The Planiverse, that I found many years, I remember looking at it at a department store in the 80s and finally obtaining a copy many years later takes Edwin Abbott's vision of a two-dimensional universe and expands on it. What's keeping them locked into their 2D space, right? That is, you know, so like to say there is a two-dimensional plane that they must adhere to or that we're living in a three-dimensional volume that we must adhere to. It feels very kind of, it feels like there's some open question there, right? And we always come back to, oh, it's a comp- it's a computer simulation. And the computer simulation is in 3D, not 4D, not 5D. Just like those old video games like Dig Dug and Mappy, they're all in two dimensions. Why are they in two dimensions? They're programmed that way. They're not in a physical reality. They're just pixels on a screen, you know? Are we just pixels in a volume? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, I've I've come to the con- conclusion that there's only two things we can know. That consciousness exists, because I'm conscious. And I suppose you could say that for consciousness to exist, it must be experiencing something, observing something. Can there be a consciousness that's not experiencing anything? Even if it's aware of Nothing, it's still aware of something. Nothingness is something. It wasn't that the name of the Monkey King and the Journey to the West, the great Chinese uh, folklore, aware of 
nothing or aware of emptiness or aware of vacuity. But if you're aware of it, it's not nothing. Or you're comparing it to something. Is consciousness inextricably intertwined with somethingness? Right? Like, can you have consciousness without any anything to observe? Can you have an observer, a conscious observer, without anything to observe? I can't imagine being conscious and not observing anything. That is, a thought, a feeling, an idea, a comparison. It, it's right, it's always something. Could you have consciousness without anything to observe? Can you have an observer without anything to observe? Ooh, there's someone crossing the street. I think it's a home health aid for the elderly resident across the street. Finally done with the shift on the way home. I'm observing it. I'm aware of it. I'm conscious of it. A home health aid. But really, pondering such an idea, I feel like I'm, at this level, I don't have the mental tools available to me to really answer the question, can there be an observer without anything to observe? Seems like it's impossible, right? So, as I'm trying to say, there's two things. There's an observer and there's stuff to observe. Um, But we don't know. That sort of implies... The two things are separate. There's an observer, and then there's something generating what's being observed. But doesn't it make more sense that the observer and the stuff being observed are one and the same? How could you separate them, really, ultimately? (coughs) That something to observe is essential to an observer existing. So it would only make sense it's all part of one thing. Right, And the ultimate conclusion that all of these avenues of thought lead to is that there is one thing, you know, and again, the name for it, some people might say, is God. But I think at least in this society, God is so associated with the Abrahamic religions, you know, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, wherein the concept should be... Uh, far broader than those particular instances of uh, belief systems. But the word God is colored by the religions we've heard of and their quirks, their peculiarities. A religion that's supposed to be about unconditional love that seems preoccupied with bullying and harassing certain types of people doesn't make much sense. Just, I, w- I just wish I would hear more Christians, people who claim to be a members of the Christian faith, say that I would not even begin to judge other people. I only seek to be Christ-like in my life and not be judgmental. I just don't hear people say that. It's just inconsistent with the supposed beliefs. You know what I'm saying? Just in terms of what people say, the rhetoric they use. 
But I know what the hell you want. You wake up in this world, you're in a religion, and you just kind of absorb it and whatever, you know. I was uh, perhaps blessed with, is that the right word? With having no religion. Is that a contradiction in terms? My family was very irreligious, non-religious. Not even particularly atheistic, just kind of dismissive of religion in general. Very much stemming from my father's father, also named Frank Nora, born in Italy in 1906, who became atheist in Italy with the rise of fascism and Mussolini. He didn't like it. And the people that also didn't like it were communists who were atheistic. So he kind of le- leaned in that direction. My father picked that up from his father. And so my family kind of uh, was in that vein. No religion, never went to church, nothing. Which I think has only made me more fascinated with the whole topic. But I've never been religious. I've never gone to church. I mean, I've been in a church for like a wedding or something. but Or a christening or something. But... but We don't have to really focus on that. We're focusing on the bigger question. What is reality? What is going on? It bugs me every single moment of the day. I mean, I'm not, and I I mean, I find it interesting to think about. It's kind of pleasurable to think about, but at the same time, it's an open question. And it does bother me. I do think about it, and I don't know. (laughs) Is it better not to? Maybe. Maybe because it doesn't seem like there's any answers forth any answers forthcoming. So is it is it pointless to think about it? But pointless things. Can, did I just pause? I said pointless things can be fun, just like that game I played at Route 66 and Overwatch 2, playing fake characters against fake characters. I'm the only real one. Yes. Does it imply solipsism? the belief that you're the only intelligent being in the universe and everything else is just an illusion. But in the context of the theory that there is just one thing, the observer and that which generates that which is being observed, it's not that you are the only one and everything else is an illusion, it's that you and everyone else are an aspect of the everything, of God. But then it really begs the question, why the specifics of what we're experiencing, this hyper-specific scenario of biological, bipedal human beings in this society, why this particular narrative being presented at this particular moment? Why this particular cigar, which is winding down towards the end, Cigars get to a point towards the end where they just they just go bad. This one hasn't quite gotten there. It's down to a little nub. I feel like it's going to get there soon, though. Not even the best cigar to begin with. But maybe just like having a cigar, you have a life. And each cigar is different. Each life is different. How would Anthony Newley sing Have a Cigar by Pink Floyd? 
Come in here, dear boy, have a cigar, you're gonna go far. You're gonna fly, you're never gonna die. Yes, I'm looking at the lyrics. I don't know them that well. You're gonna make it if you try, they're gonna love you. Well, I've always had a deep respect, and I mean that most sincere. The band is just fantastic. That is really what I think. Oh, by the way, which one's pink? And did we tell you the name of the game, boy? We call it riding the gravy train. We're just knocked out. We heard about the sellout. You gonna get an album out? You owe it to the people. We're so happy we can hardly count. Everybody else is just green. Have you seen the chart? It's a hell of a start. It could be made into a monster if we all pull together as a team. And did we tell you the name of the game, boy? We call it riding the gravy train. Game Boy. They mentioned the ga- Pink Floyd mentions Game Boy in their song. Wow. I remember I had the. Uh, it was around like eighty nine, maybe or ninety. I, I had to choose to buy a Game Boy or a uh, Lynx, Atari Lynx. I went with the Lynx. I probably should have gone with the Game Boy. I got a Game Boy eventually, and a Game Boy Color, and a Game Boy Advance, yada yada, in the Game Boy Micro, whatever. And if we tell you the name of the game, boy, we call it riding the gravy train, Nintendo, Game Boy. No! It makes no sense. Just like the nips. Do you know nip backwards is prune? Did you know that? Do you know that Liza Minnelli? Did you know that Diane Carroll? Did you know it? What is that sound? An airplane going by. Are they ri- Those people in the airplane are riding the gravy train. They're rich. They're going on a private jet somewhere. Riding the gravy train. Indeed. I think the cigar is getting towards the end. One more puff. Yeah, it gets kind of foul towards the end. Kind of like life. Right? The end. It's kind of tough, just like that cigar. So profound, comparing life to a cigar. Have a cigar. It could be made into a monster if we all come together as a team. Listen to the rain. I don't know what's going on, but it's kind of groovy. It is really kind of groovy. Anyways, with that, I'd like to thank you so much for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape. I am your host, Frank Edward Nora, here on the porch in a December of 2022. What, does that imply different timelines? This is a December? No. As far as I know, this is the December 2022. Is there only one December 2022? In my gut, it feels like no. There's many December 2022s, but I don't know. 
We're here in the Ansug, uh, a radio station inside a book. And as I mentioned, this book, I just updated it, um, you know, deleted a lot of stuff. It's going to be added back. But uh, check it out. Go to Ansug.com. That's O-N-S-U-G.com. You can buy the current edition of the book, since the next edition is not going to be out till next year. You can download the PDF of the original edition or the latest edition, as I was talking about. And, of course, the great benefit of the latest edition that I just released the other day is that it has Flea Devil Solitaire rules. I really believe that uh, Flea Devil Solitaire is, is, is a revolution in solitaire. And um, check it out. I, I, I know it se- if it's such a revolution, should I do more? Should I try to, should I try to promote it? But, you know, I, I'm, really, I'm really kind of, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of at my limit with doing this show and running the Overnightscape Underground, the Onsug, and... I don't really have time to promote my revolution in solitaire. Let's just 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 uh, take it easy with that. The rules are there. Hopefully, people will catch on eventually, because it's a heck of a lot of fun. I, I've been having endless fun with with Flea Devil. But uh, just go to onsug.com to all of the latest shows and access to the archive of all the shows we've ever done uh, over 1.5 years, over 13,000 hours of shows. Over 10,000 individual episodes. Just go to just the current archive is called Onsug Radio, and in the future, the audio will be incorporated in the book, and there will not have to be separate things. It'll all just be one thing together, kind of like God. Yes. No, I don't want to compare it to God, but I'm trying to make it less confusing. It's hard, though. I'm very, it's very, it is inherently quite confusing and quite convoluted and complex. But does it need to be? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> Anyways, uh, this is essentially um, a channel, an archive, where we record and uh, in a unique style for people to listen in the near and far future. We're very focused on people listening in the far future for this to be preserved. As I do believe, we're living in a very unique, very special time in history. And uh, we're recording all the ins and outs and specifics of it in our shows. And uh, it's here. It's now. You, you now know about it. You know about the Onsug. It's uh, something most people don't know about, but you do. And it is truly a lifetime of listening pleasure. So please check it out and uh, help preserve it, help promote it, wherever and whenever you are listening. Listen, I, I'm recording this right now on my porch. Cigar is done. The ashtray is put away. But, uh, you know, you could be there hundreds of years, thousands of years from now. Please help preserve our book, our audio archive. It is, uh, it is quite, a, quite a, a, a piece of work. Yes. An oeuvre, as they say in France. Oeuvre. 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 I've never been comfortable with that word, oeuvre. O, what is it? O u e u r. O u, e v r e. I'm not even gonna look it up. Your voice can be in this network as well. So there's a very easy way to do it. It's to participate in Overnightscape Central every week. There's a new topic proposed, and Mr. P Q Ribber out in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Uh, puts it together each week and comes up with a topic each week. 
This week's topic was what you're, wh- what are we watching? So I talked all about the TV shows and movies I've been watching. And you could have participated as well, and I really hope you do. Just go to onsug.com, find the latest episode of Overnightscape Central, listen to it, and you will know how to participate. And your voice, can you imagine your life, right? Once you're gone, what will you leave behind? At least if you participate in Overnightscape Central, you'll leave something behind for those in the far future. I know not everyone cares about such things. Just at a gut level, it feels important to me. Because we're here, we're in this time period, we're soaking in it, and we can provide perspectives and information on this time period. (coughs) Just imagine (coughs) if people were recording like this in historical periods that we know of, like 1920s, the 1890s, the 1770s. It would be so fascinating to hear someone talking about stuff in this way. We've only had this... uh, the ability to record audio in essentially an unlimited way, preserve it and distribute it for a decade or two now. It's uh, relatively new technologically. And uh, we're taking advantage of it here on the Onsug. And I know there's millions of podcasts out there, but I would would claim that there's nothing like the Onsug. So please check it out. And now we're going to switch on over to something which you had a little bit of. What, what, what was that thing? I can't even figure. I tried listening to it a few more times. That guy was saying it was like um, um, genocide, genocide, nerf, nerf. <laughs> what the hell? It, just, it related as well. And then also that, that freaking tennis player, noop it, noop it, <laughs> here <laughs> on the other side. It started on Friday 14th of June and every Friday onwards Freestyle presents Rat Pack, Groove Rider, LSD, Matthew B, Ranks, Richie Fingers, Frankie Valentine. Enough effects, enough feeling at the Sedgwick Dance Studios, Sedgwick Street, Hamilton E9. The damage at the door is £5 before midnight. Top line number is 0831 307 768. This is Freestyle, so reach. takes a lot of people to run an Air Force, and we have the best.
Aim high, Air Force. Connect four of your checkers in a row while preventing your opponent from doing the same. But look out. Your opponent can sneak up on you and win the game. I won. Where? I can't... Here, diagonally. Pretty sneaky, sis. Connect four. The vertical checkers game from Milton Bradley. When I need a prescription pill for my family, I come to OSCO for two reasons. Low prices and great service. By checking the OSCO prescription price board, I know what I will pay. My OSCO pharmacist labels each bottle with special instructions and answers my questions to help me take the best care of my family. Take good care of yourself. Say the OSCO way. This looks right, but I'll ask the A&P butcher. Oh, come on, Lou. This is a supermarket, not a butcher shop. Is this right for London Broil? I'd use this. It even costs a little less. Thanks. Hey, A&P is a butcher shop with supermarket prices. Another reason why you do better at a This week at your friendly A&P store, delicious center-cut chuck roast is only 98 cents a pound through Saturday. In order to induce their employer into a compliance with their request for changed terms of employment, workmen have the right to strike in a body. To use such persuasion as they may, provided it does not reach the point of duress, to lead their reluctant co-laborers to join them in their union against their employer. What they have not the right to do is to injure their employer's property, to injure their employer's business by use of threats or methods of physical duress against those who would work for him, or by carrying on what is sometimes known as a secondary boycott against his customers. Monday, Mike Hall and Tom Brannan will be broadcasting live from Modern Appliance, 220 West Main, from 3 until 7 p.m. 
Tremendous Savings Monday at Modern Appliance, open until 10 p.m. and from 3 until 5, Walt Garrison, rodeo star and former Dallas Cowboy, will be at Modern Appliance to meet you. To sign autographs and give away school, make your plans, be at Modern Appliance this coming Monday, 3 until 5, to meet and see Walt Garrison and make big savings on RCA TVs and Whirlpool Appliances. You are looking at a very special place, the Bell Systems Network Operations Center in Bedminster, New Jersey. Here's where we watch the flow of nearly 40 million long-distance calls a day. If a bottleneck does develop, computer technology helps us reroute the traffic and get your call through. Thank you, St. Louis traffic via Sacramento. The Network Operations Center, helping to get your long-distance calls through quickly and easily. The Bell System, keeping your communication system the best in the world. Wake up, toys, or you're gonna miss Christmas Eve with the Kodak Disc. Someone got the family a Kodak Disc. Just look at all the shots they're not gonna miss. There's never been a time that's better than this to give someone the Kodak Disc. Nothing's easier to use than the Kodak Disc camera. It loads in a snap and knows just when to flash. No wonder it's such a great Christmas gift, Christmas gift. So when you go out and shop, just remember to stop. Senator Fulbright said some months ago that if the Vietnam War went on much longer, the best of our young people would be in Canada. Well, I'd just as soon let Senator Fulbright go prospecting for his future party leaders in the deserters' dens of Canada and Sweden. We Republicans will look elsewhere. Indeed, as for these deserters, malcontents, radicals, incendiaries, the civil and the uncivil disobedience among our young, SDS, PLP, Weatherman 1, Weatherman 2, the Revolutionary Action Movement, Panthers, Lions, Hippies, Yippies, Tigers alike, I'd rather swap the whole damn zoo for a single platoon of the kind of young Americans I saw in Vietnam. Tuesday, follow a pair of golden eagles and witness the terrible struggles of their young learning to survive on CTV's Lorne Green's New Wilderness. This is the CTV Television Network.
escape, but it's also exciting to read. I like exciting stories about adventures of other kids, like in The Glad Man. Wow! Wow, look at this place! Somebody must have lived here. Sure must have been poor. I wonder why they're moving us all these things here. Who knows? I never saw such a crazy place. This bed sure is comfortable. Hey, look at this. What are you doing in here? This way. You can find out what happens next by reading The Glad Men. It's at your local library with a lot of other very good books. That was Galliano a little bit earlier in the festival, complete with Pet Dragon weaving its way through the crowd. Now, the Glastonbury hairdo has to be long matted dreadlocks, but Mark here is sporting a different option. This We're talking the, the molded plastic this is hair. The practical, the practical it option. It is the practical option. Now, Mark, I understood that you weren't coming to the festival this year. What well, gives? See, last year I said, why would you go to a festival if you could stay at home and watch a cinema? Well, the point is, this year, Portishead, they made a film, they sent the film to the festival, then they came to the festival to watch the film they made play in a field. And, and no, the they, field no, they came the, to the, the festival, the came, and then the band the, went to the, the thing with the... No. I think the band came. Uncle Tim, I'm making dinner. Want to stay? What are you having? Pork chops. Just pork chops? Pork chops with potatoes, or stovetop stuffing for pork. Stuffing? I'm staying. Stovetop stuffing made specially for pork. It makes it a meal worth staying for. Wow, this stovetop tastes great with pork. Stovetop made it to go with pork. Great combination. Stovetop stuffing for pork. Look for the green box. Last night I journeyed backwards in time to the medieval world of Dark Tower. In this amazing game, I had to find three keys, lay siege to the tower, and defeat the enemy within. Each move was a challenge. The computer kept track, giving me secret information, pictures, sounds, surprises. Then, ahead of my opponent, I made my move. The battle was joined. And I was victorious. Dark Tower from MB Electronics. Christian Slater of Tucker and Heathers stars with Stephen Bauer from Thief of Hearts and Richard Hurd of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles in Gleaning the Cube. Brian Kelly didn't care for the way adults ran things. Adults are predictable. They're living under this illusion that life as we know it is going to continue forever. And he didn't care for the direction the world was heading. I don't know what's worse, you know? Being blown up in a nuclear war or having a 7-Eleven on every corner. In fact, there were only two things that Brian did care for. His skateboard and his brother. Trump. What? You got a B plus in countenance. Then one day his brother died. Was an accident. And Brian's skateboard became his weapon in a deadly game of international smuggling, murder, and revenge. No one knows anything except a kid on a skateboard. Killed my brother. Did not be listening. You're, you're the one who's not listening. When getting even means risking it all. Gleaming the cube. Hello, I'm Paul Finnemar, president of Hairline Creations. If you're bald or balding, I'd like to show you the supernatural. Hairline Creations Ultimate Hair Replacement. 
I wear it because it looks as natural as nature's healthiest head of hair. The Supernatural lets you play and socialize, worry-free, and it's affordable, too. So if you're bald or balding, call Hairline Creations for a free consultation and free brochure at of the third kind, contact. From Steven Spielberg, the director of Jaws, comes one of the most ambitious and unusual films ever made. And what you will see has never been seen before. It's a cosmic mystery crossing what many scientists believe will be the next threshold of human experience. It is called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It begins in an Indiana town and leads to one inescapable conclusion. We are not alone. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Certificate A. Now showing at the Odeon Leicester Square. Good morning, listeners, and uh, welcome to that amazing, credible Kenny Everett show. One of us swinging of the swing in England set today that you probably come across a lot of records playing and you know generally get together and none of your FBI playing in the background of the, no amplifiers <laughs> you know Ken then great Strawberry Fields it's pretty straightforward isn't it let me how's it go let me take you down that's it yeah <laughs> uh, it's not about it's just about me really mm. or anybody else that thinking like that. Yeah. Just a random it's just a... Uh, hmm. I mean, it says it is. What, what does it say? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? It's just... No, it's a bit of mess in, let's get away to Strawberry Fields. A bit of mess in, let's get away to Strawberry Fields. It's just, uh -huh. you know... It's fantastic to me, maybe, at certain points when you're doing it. Hmm. And then after that, you can't listen to it objectively. And it takes till about now say, mm. to really listen to it and understand what you're really talking about. 
I hurt, but I'll be back. I know. Count me out. You make a mistake. I know, Mr. Connors. My doc says ibuprofen for body pain. The medicine and Nuprin. My trainer, too. Got a Nuprin. Nuprin. Nuprin with Nuprin. Strong stuff. Just takes one. Even a young guy like you uses it. I Nuprin. This party ain't over, kid. For back joint or muscle pain. Nuprin. Nuprin. With Nuprin. The body pain medicine. This is your exclusive chance to meet fellow ravers, boys and girls. All you have to do is girls, please call the Girl Ravers line on 0839 812265. And boys, call the Boy Ravers line now on 0839 812266. We also have a rave information line and this line puts you in touch with all the most spectacular legal raves in London and around the country. Simply call the rave information line courtesy of Chilling FM on 0839 812268. This is all possible courtesy of Chilling FM. Next time you're looking for a snack, try some of these delicious foods. Crispy, juicy, flavor-filled fruits and vegetables. Peaches, tomatoes, celery, carrots. Snack time is fun time, munch time. A chance to drop into some good stuff. Raisins, bananas, plums. Vitamin-rich fuel for that hard-working, hard-playing body of yours. Fruits and vegetables, good-tasting snack time flavor. Thrills and chills. Gorgeous gals, Transylvanian parties, lots of laughs and sex, romance, I'm just a sweet transvestite, action-packed, 18 great songs, soundtrack available on Ode Records, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Certificate Double A. Now exclusively at the Rialto Coventry Streets. It has been almost writing on the wall all over and Kathy Jones said that she's blaming herself I said don't go on these guilt trips because it's happening none of nobody and none of us it happened and you walk by it and it's fine and dandy just hang in there 
because she knew that he is getting very weird and he is getting sick. Well, it could have been on six months ago when she was, he was still working for the, for the uh, uh, factory. Madge, meet Frank, my cat. Hello, Frank, my cat. Oh, those hands look like something Frank dragged in. Oh, what'll I try? <laughs> Everything and use palm olive dishwashing liquid. It softens your hands while you do the dishes. You're soaking in it. Dishwashing liquid? It's palm olive. Mild? More than mild. Makes loads of suds that last. And no kidding, palm olive softens hands while you do the dishes. Madge, mm. palm olive's great. You're an angel. Oh, well, is my halo on straight? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, baby, baby. Yeah. Good morning. You're tuned to another Flask of Weird edition of Wake Up Southside. I'm Jerry Majeski, and I'm staring at the visage of Chuck Isle. People have asked me to describe Chuck, and I'd say he's a person most likely, between the two of us, the person most likely to get a tattoo within the next five years. Boy, I just don't know how to respond to something like that. And I know what it might say, or I have a few guesses. Uh, void where prohibited? Void where prohibited. That's always been a little phrase that I've been very picked by, or piqued, as far as interest goes. I mean, why do they say void where prohibited? You'd think they'd want you to void where it's not prohibited. I mean... Billy Carter, he even got into trouble for that once, didn't he? Got into trouble for uh, for having a tattoo no. that said void where prohibited? Why? No, but uh, I think he uh, voided where he wasn't supposed to, on the side of a building. Get up, hell on wheels, 
He's the best skate around. She's the hottest date in town. Together, they're love on wheels in Roller Boogie. Linda Blair, Jim Bray. Roller Boogie, rated PG. Friday at the Imperial Six, also Bayview, Bramley, Skyline, Golden Mile, Sheraton, North York, and throughout southern Ontario and Buffalo. Donovan, take you away, far, far away. Riding homeward, it's time to go home. Somewhere between the world of dreams and reality, there's a magical person called the Pied Piper, with a painted guitar and a pointed hat and an adventure calling you. Jump on. You are about to go out of this world to Hamlin Town, where fantasy is not dead and happiness and enchantment are very, very much alive. Once you join the Pied Piper, you're in his power for a lifetime. Paramount Pictures presents The Pied Piper, starring Donovan, in color rated G, general audiences. Welcome to Night Owl, your late night news and information program from Keyfax. Keyfax is a revolutionary information service which features the latest news, sports, business, weather, and entertainment. 
Night Owl blasts off at 12 midnight every night here on Channel 32, WFLB Chicago. Fred and Barney on the Flintstones. They're coming up next on Afternoon Fun on Metro Media 32. <laughs> this is embarrassing. All the neighbors are looking. Velvet Shoes by Eleanor Wiley. Read for LibriVox.org by Secrets. Let us walk in the white snow in a soundless space with footsteps quiet and slow at a tranquil pace under veils of white lace i shall go shod in silk and you in wool white as a white cow's milk more beautiful than the breast of a gull we shall walk through the still town in a windless peace we shall step upon white down, upon silver fleece, upon softer than these. We shall walk in velvet shoes wherever we go. Silence will fall like dews on white silence below. We shall walk in the snow. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Griff's Pylons on the Mall are having a Christmas sale like you wouldn't believe it. And don't. You want pylons? Griff's has got them. That's all they ever have. We have a gross of green pylons to invoke the Christmas spirit in your home, driveway, or seance. And they're made with that polyvinyl chloride, just like your mom used to sit on it. And you'll enjoy your pylon for hours on end as your family pays homage to the festive cone. And they're cheap. You've heard of complimentary dollars? Bozo bucks? While back at Griff's, it's pylon cash. Our special green pylons are available in 16-inch, 24-inch, and our deluxe 60-foot model. And with purchase of the latter, you're, you get a complimentary set of 12 Bozo Highway Pylons. So hurry down to Griff's on the mall. Just follow the magic pylons. Television isn't as simple as it used to be, but you don't have to be puzzled by it. 
Not when there's a magazine that gives you the overall picture through enlightening feature articles. Precise listings for local and network TV. Plus expanded coverage of the services cable subscribers want most. To understand television today, you've got to know how the pieces fit. TV Guide puts it all together. It's the coffee that you needed, but you didn't have time for. The interest that you wanted, plus the gift you always pined for. It's your life, it's your money, and we help you make the most of it. At Safe Paul Federal Savings and Loan. It's 16 branches, even open Saturdays. A home improvement library. A place for your kids to play while you save. It's a lot more than just banking. It's your life, it's your money, and we help you make the most of it. At Safe Paul Federal Savings and Loan. Falcon, 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 are you here? Are you here? Are you here? Well, now this is an unexpected surprise. Chicago Wrestling has been brought to you by Ben's Auto Sales, 5858 Southwestern Avenue. And listen, that same bruiser you saw on this show today talking about Ben's Auto Sales will be in the cage at the Hammond Civic Center Saturday night, October 18th against Brody. That's right, in a fight to the finish in the cage at the Hammond Civic Center Saturday night, October 18th. 8.30 start, doors open 6.30, free parking. Get those tickets now and so on. Just rock to the beat. FM. Living large. Jillian. FM. Back to the base. Kicking flavor. Jillian. FM. Radical. Chillin FM. Live to the Metropolis. Chillin FM. Ease off. We're too radical. The Infinite Quest from Ebony and Crystal by Clark Ashton Smith. Read for LibriVox.org by Sandra Cullum. The Infinite Quest In years no vision shall aver, In lands no dream may name, Toward alien things what longings were, And thence what languors came. For each horizon straightly sought With fealty to the stars, What death and weariness were bought, What bitterness, what bars, I waken unto years afar, and find the quest made new, in earth that was perchance a star, unto my former view. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. <laughs>